my window to uh, wash my laundry. Not yeah. wash it, dry it. <laughs> it's not raining or anything like that, but um, a big old fly came in through my window, and it's one of those big bastards like a pterodactyl. Oh, God, yeah. And he just comes in, it's like, I could put a fucking saddle on that bastard and ride it downstairs. <laughs> and it's so annoying, because it's just zoom, like a giant big bloody raisin bombing yeah. around my house. I'm like, oh, please, just, just fly back out the window. And what I did is I opened my other window to let it out, and then another fly flew in. It's like, for fuck's sake! <laughs> you know you're getting close to summer when that happens, don't you? Yeah, yeah. When you open a window because it's too warm, and then a big bastard fly comes bumbling in like a jackass. It's like, I guess just the rest of my day is just having this fly uh, through my peripheral about three or four times an hour. Yeah, just... It's fucking hell, man. Like, um... But yeah, um, welcome to episode 32. 32. Of Cal's Corner, and as per usual, I'm here with my friend Lucas. Say hello, Lucas. Hello. Are you not doing the thing where you just make up some bullshit in another language? Honestly, Carl, just for you. That that was the one time I gave you it. And then I and immediately call you, call you like, what? You're not, you're not doing the dumb thing again anymore. And, and It's like, God damn it, Carl, you're getting no more hellos from me. <laughs> and we are here, and we are, I believe we're drinking now, aren't we, Lucas? Uh, Still yeah. social distancing, but we're doing this, uh, you know, via the wonders of technology. Yeah, so, Lucas, um, what are you drinking today? A, dr- a little cider? Well, Is it not a little, a little cider, cider a big cider. To be a, big, <laughs> a big old cider. And I have um, I have an innocent smoothie, which is apple, pear, cucumber, masha, plus vitamins uh, with vodka in it. Oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> so, oh, it's like, so it's a health we, smoothie, and I put vodka in it. How smart like, am I? We did this before stream so we could have a drink. Specifically, are you coming to me with a smoothie? No, no, no. No, it reminds me, it's a joke in The Simpsons that I didn't get for the longest time, where, um, do you know the one where Homer meets Kim Basinger and Alec Baldwin? Mm Mm-hmm. And then Ron Howard comes in and goes, do I smell wheatgrass and vodka? And Homer (laughs) says, it's called a lawnmower, I invented it. I, as a kid, in my innocent ways, thought Homer was bragging about inventing the actual lawnmower. (laughs) <laughs> and that just these rich Hollywood celebrities didn't know what a lawnmower was so wanted it yeah, yeah. and it's only now watching that episode back as an adult it's like no it's a cocktail called a lawnmower yeah. that Homer makes with just wheatgrass juice and vodka and I, went, I am such an idiot <laughs> I, know, I just always thought that a joke was Homer invented the like claims to invent, invented the lawnmower to impress rich people no but it's like oh no he just made a fucking cocktail yeah, so is there any like, jokes like that? Because we've, The Simpsons it came to Disney Plus and we've all had that for a while now. Is there any jokes that you caught that you didn't realise as a, a younger child with more um, innocent to eyes? To be honest, like, for the first, like, you know, ten seasons or so that I've watched, there's not a specific joke that jumps out, but I'd say, like, half of the show. Like, I don't really know why I loved it as much as I did as a kid. It was Because half of the writing is for adults. It is, yeah. But it was because it was cartoon and there's slapstick humour in it. Yeah, basically. But, like, the actual dialogue is mainly more entertaining now when I'm watching it. There is, yeah. There's some fantastic lines. And because I've rewatched it as an adult, and I've largely... I've remembered some of the the famous quotes. Mm -hmm. But there's other, like, smaller gags and just well-written lines that flew over my head as a kid and never really really stuck with me that I'm hearing now, like, seemingly for the first time in my head. Yeah. So it's like I get to experience Golden Age Simpsons as an adult for the first time when I watch some of these episodes. And it's like the one where they're talking about how Maggie was born or how Lisa was born. 
Oh, and Marge yeah. announced it by saying, okay, Homer, there's about to be twice as much love in this house. And Homer responds, we're going to start doing it in the morning now. <laughs> yeah. It's just such, such a quick throwaway line, but it, I didn't remember it, so it put me on my ass. Yeah, yeah. And there's so many, like, sex jokes in that show that I so missed. So many. Like the one so of Ap- many. Apu and Manjula arguing, and they throw the Karma Sutra out the window. Yeah. And Homer's reading it and goes, hey, Marge, look, they stole our idea. It's just like you just don't notice it as a kid and it's no. so fucking good but so we don't just spend the entire episode talking about The Simpsons which I would do we would, we would. And, you, we would. and you know that I would uh, Lucas what have you been up to this week my friend which I'm guessing uh, is not a lot because we're still in lockdown yeah that's the thing is like unfortunately or fortunately I guess because I can't say that I'm not in like a privileged position you know working from home I've got some like stability still um, but yeah, very, right now it's like, well, I'm either working on like, you know, fat theme videos, my YouTube videos, this podcast now, or I'm playing video games. See, what you need to do is just talk about how you edited last week's podcast so we can have a podcast about editing last week's podcast <laughs> and see how meta we can get it. You get must feel like a right idiot though. Podcast. You must feel like a right idiot though, Lucas, because you could have just been, you could have just driven all the way down here and it'd been oh, fine. yeah, yeah. So we need to talk about it because it's, it's a do. story that is literally breaking right now as we record this. Mm-hmm. Because for American viewers or perhaps British viewers who've not really watched the news, viewers, listeners, uh, there is a story going on in the UK right now about one Dominic Cummings. Uh, is an advisor to Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, I believe, mm-hmm. is the official title, who emerged sometime last week during the height of the COVID pandemic, during a period of time in which almost every single Briton was locked indoors by choice to help curb the spread of this disease. Under making, advice from the government. Under direct advice from the government. Um, and this advice that was laid down, some of which was crafted by Mr. Cummings, and uh, some people making tremendous self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And so we try and keep things light here and some... Which, or we do try to get things light and jokey, but I've seen a few reports from news agencies who went out when this story broke, just to ask people, so what have you missed because of lockdown? People are like, yeah, partner died. Yeah. My yeah. parents died. Kid was in hospital. Like, there's parents who've like, yeah, my kid was having cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. And because of lockdown, I didn't go in. And my kid was having cancer treatment alone. And they didn't understand why. And it was horrible but i did it because it was the best thing for the country exactly it, yeah. it emerged this dickhead this huge knobhead called dominic cummins just drove all the way across the country during the height of the lockdown to visit his elderly parents after he had covid19 symptoms yeah so what had happened apparently um what i've heard is like his wife actually had the disease like it was confirmed she had the disease and then he had symptoms, so him and his son were almost guaranteed to be carrying the disease. Well, he's trying. Uh, there's to be on to clarify. There is a press conference going on right now. There is. And I was yeah. watching a little bit of it, and he's saying my wife did not have it, even though reports were saying that she did. Uh, well, he's one step away. One of the reasons I had to step away and like record this podcast is you can tell he's a moment away from going fake news. And it's like, I don't want to... Li- I, if that starts happening with our politicians, I don't know what I'm going to do, because that'll depress the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah. But he's making big, wide-open swipes at the media, and, and like, falsely reporting this story. As that you is said, entirely like, his fault. we were... Um, you know, 
a little bit like chatting a little bit about this just before we started because this is literally in the middle of happening right now. Like we and can't, it's the biggest story in the UK right now. Yeah, we can't comment on what the end of this press conference is going to be. It's happening right now. It's happening right now. But just before we started recording, we just both immediately agreed all it should have been is him coming out and apologising. It's always got to do. It's so easy. If he's just come out and just ate that... If The way I've heard it put is you just, sometimes you've got to take a bite out of that shit sandwich. <laughs> and I know that you don't want to take a bite. I know the sandwich isn't very nice. I know it's full of shit. But it's your turn. Yeah. And someone should have sat him down and go, look, Dominic, you're going to have to eat this shit sandwich. He's like, I don't want to eat a shit sandwich. And he goes, well, no one wants to eat a shit sandwich, Dominic, but everyone has to at some point. And today's your turn. So go out there and eat that shit sandwich. The weird thing for me, as I'm, I'm just kind of processing thoughts in my head and talking out loud, much like apparently Donald Trump likes to do in front of the entire country. And Dominic Cummings is doing right now, yeah. live. Um, but my, my questioning is... If he came out and ate that shit sandwich, does that then make Boris Johnson look even worse because he defended his actions? And that's why he's got to do it, because mm-hmm. the, the government has to remain in lockstep. But I think if everyone would have just said it's, it's why, if everyone would have chastised him, then he came out and did a really deeply... The thing is, he doesn't even have to mean the apology. No. If Even if the apology was 100% insincere, just saying the words I'm sorry and having them in print means that he gets to deflect every question about it yeah. from that point on. Because mm-hmm. all he has to do is, I've already apologised, I'd like to now get to back to talking about the issues. But refusing to apologise or acknowledge that what he did is wrong, all he does is piss more people off. Yeah. As I yeah. mentioned, there's a lot of people who've made a lot of sacrifices in the country. And the way I saw it broken down is, this is an issue that's not going to go away because it's not something intangible that the government has done wrong. Like This is something every single person in Britain can look at and go, that's fucking horse shit. Mm-hmm. I've been stuck inside for two and a half months. I've not been able to visit my family, my parents, my friends, five minutes away. I've not been able to go to the park. I've not been able to do anything. And this dickhead is driving halfway across the country to visit his elderly parents. Yep. And um, I will say as well, just on my like circumstantial evidence of since this has all come out, the last couple of days of me just taking a walk outside, everyone stopped giving a shit apparently. Yeah. Or a vast majority of people have stopped caring because it's like, well, if you can't follow your own fucking advice, why am I? Yeah, and not to mention that this happened during the height of everything when everybody, like the entire country was locked down. You couldn't go to the shops because the shops weren't open. Yeah, we're dealing with slightly more relaxed rules now. But, but the, this was so, when it was even harsher. It was at its peak. And then mm-hmm. the other stuff that happened, like the other parts of the story that are broken is um, uh, we drove halfway across the country to visit parents. And then this is what I understand from the description he was giving during the press conference or the parts of it that I saw. I didn't feel very well. I was told that I could go back to work. So what I did is rather than make the entire trip straight back to London, I drove to a castle nearby walked around for a bit and then drove back, decided I was healthy enough to make the full drive and then drove all the way down. Oh, my God. And that, to me, it was me cynical, but sounds like he went for a walk at the park with his family and then drove back to London. Yeah. And he's now thinking, fuck, how do I justify doing this? Because there was this journalist, and God bless them, they went up and they asked him, so, uh, did you fill up your petrol? 
before you drove and you could see they were setting up it's like they were setting themselves <laughs> up for a goal so did you stop for petrol on your drive there and Cummings goes nope I had a full tank of petrol I made it all the way there I didn't stop once and they go so how'd you get back and you can see his eyes go oh fuck <laughs> how did I get back no one's car's got 500 miles worth of petrol in it he goes, yeah. well I may have stopped for a little bit okay is there a reason you did that well, I had to stop for petrol. Well, you didn't have to because you didn't have to make that journey, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and well, I that's the thing is, every, like, quote-unquote essential part of his journey where he had the chance to spread the disease further, none of it was actually essential because he shouldn't have left his fucking yeah. life flat. And I'm not sure if you've heard his reasoning for why he made the chipper in the first place. Uh, was it not to, like, protect his kid against the disease or something? Yeah, he's, he has a young child. So I feel from him in that respect. And he said, I drove to see my parents because they've got a second house nearby that we stopped in. Yeah. And they had young people in there who would have looked after my kid if the worst came to the worst. And your only response to that is, are you telling me the guy who's answers directly to the prime minister can't get someone in to look after his kids? <laughs> like one of the most powerful men in the country can't get someone in. And, I mean, just also, like, are you using your child as a shield right now? You are. It really does sound like you're doing that. Yeah. And I, it's just one of those stories where I've never seen people so universally just behind the same opinion, which is, fuck that guy. Yep. Because, um, again, for Americans who may not be aware, it's obviously similar to over in the United States, there is a very stark political divide. Um, Tories and Labour over here, which and Tories would be roughly analogous to um, the Conservatives, or the Republicans, sorry. And yeah, the Tories Labour are the Conservative would, Party. Yeah, and that would be close to the Republicans, and then Labour would be the Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, the paper, the, our equivalent of Fox News, the Daily Mail, has refused to like support this trip, and I've got a front-page headline that says something like, what the fuck is this guy thinking? <laughs> equivalent. <laughs> And it's, like, it's I've never seen it. It's, it's like, literally, it's so bad that, as you say, the conservative papers are turning against the conservatives. To the conservative government. Yeah. And it, that's what makes it so just baffling that he's going on the news and making a live press conference of, like, I think a reasonable person would agree with what I did. It's like, do you... Re- no. have, have you seen any of the responses to the tweets the government has sent out defending what you did? <laughs> Which can lead us... The the um the tweet that I've seen like the yeah. hashtag on Twitter I've seen is Cumgate. everywhere is Dominic Goings. Oh no, I saw Cumgate. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the one that I saw is Cumgate because it's Dominic Cummings and it's yeah. thing. But there's Cumgate, there's Dominic Cummings, and then and there's oh, Dominic Goings, and there's all the ones about him. It's like fucking off. But the wow. one that we really need to see, Lucas, is uh, speaking of tweets. Did you see what the UK civil service official Twitter account? tweeted out um, in response to um, Boris Johnson's statements yesterday. I did not, but I am on my PC. So I okay, okay. well, I've got, I've got it for you here. You don't need to do anything. So I oh, can okay, send you cool. it. So we'll set the scene. So this story broke over the weekend. And as you might expect, people were very annoyed. And there was a lot of calls for the Prime Minister to make a statement. of Like, is this acceptable? What the fuck's going on? the entire country is in uproar about this because we're all stuck inside with nothing better to do. Yeah. So we better get an answer right now. And Boris Johnson went on TV, I believe, and basically defended it and said, it's not a crime 
to like, do what's best for your family. And the UK Civil Service Twitter account, which is official, and is a branch of the government, and I will double check now, just so we can clarify what it is they officially do, is they implement the policy of the government of the day, and they deliver crucial public services. Okay? okay. During this press conference, that account tweeted out, arrogant and offensive. Can you imagine having to work with these truth twisters? <laughs> so that's very clearly one of those situations where it's someone who thought they were tweeting off their private account. Yeah, yeah. But were logged in to the UK Civil Service official Twitter account. And <laughs> this tweet went out and it was up for about half an hour. Oh, God. It got 30,000 retweets in that time. Holy shit. Before it got caught. Like, this thing was, it was it's front page news on a lot of websites the day it went done. Uh, the day it happened, because this is the government disagreeing with the government. Yeah, like, can you imagine, right, so you're probably a person sitting at home that's like, you know, media manager for that page or whatever. Uh, probably not anymore. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there at home and you tweet this out thinking, like, yeah, just, you know, on your phone, sitting here going, this is a joke. And then half an hour later, you pick your phone back up and go... And you've got, ha- you got 30,000 retweets. But <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I was going to be looking and go, oh, no. And it got deleted very, very quickly. But obviously, you're not going to delete anything off the internet, especially not something that goes that viral that quick. Yeah. And almost and everyone and every tweet they've put out for the last three months has just got people responding with that. But the story gets pretty good, though, because... Um, the civil service sent out a tweet saying something to the tune of, um, a unauthorized tweet was sent from this account earlier today. It has been deleted. And obviously everyone's just dunking on them for that. But the mm. best response I saw to it was from uh, JK Rowling, occasional awful human being and sometimes writer, <laughs> uh, who did something like for once that wasn't awful, where she just retweeted it saying, um, please tell me who it was because I'd like to send them a year's wages. <laughs> And there has been multiple campaigns from numerous other celebrities of like, find out who this person is because we want to give them money. Yeah. We want like, we want to buy them a pint at the very least because, yeah, it's so nice to finally see someone cut through all that bullshit. Exactly, yeah. Of just, like, the fuck is this guy talking about? And it's just, one of those things, it's just, oh, it's so perfect <laughs> that it's from an official government account. Yeah. And it's even funnier as well that it is the, um, it's just such a, it's not even anything harsh. No. It's not like, can you, like, what a bunch of morons. It's like arrogant and offensive. Can you imagine having to work with these truth twisters? And it's from an official government account. It's so good. Oh, that's amazing. Like, they'll never get rid of that. No. Like, that will never go away. That's so perfect. Like, the way I imagine that is, you know, similar to how, you know, pull one out, uh, Harambe. Yeah. When, when everything happened. Uh, Cincinnati just, Zoo. Yeah, to, the, to this day, every tweet they send out just gets like Harambe responses. Pretty much, yeah. It's um, like Harambe would have loved this. I just imagine every tweet from that account now is just a screen grab. It's fucking amazing. And it's just was, send it back. There was another good one as well where someone sent out a fake tweet, which was doctored to be like the minute after that one was sent, saying, looking for a new social media person. <laughs> It's, it's, oh man, I love, I, I simultaneously love and hate that this is what political discourse devolves into now. Yeah. Uh, if, it, if you can't sum it up in a tweet, and I felt really bad about this when I saw this story, 
and I saw a Guardian link. So oh, the Guardian, it's like fairly well respected newspaper, the really good, mm. um, like solid journalistic ethics on display over at that paper. Um, Normally. And I saw them do a story about it, and I thought, well, you know what? I've seen all the memes and the tweets. Let's go click an actual newspaper and see their rundown of it. And the rundown is just the tweet with a paragraph at the top of it telling you what the tweet is. It's like, I knew this already. Oh, God damn it. And I scroll down what past like 40 words and it just says, please support our website. It's like, why? I, it's like, <laughs> there's no new information here. There's no new information here. It's like, God damn it. But it's like, it's not even as if, you know, you're clicking on it and getting, you know, an official like journalist's opinion. It's just, no, this is the tweet. Yeah, here's just some background. So I know what the background is because I was there when it happened. It's really <laughs> fucking funny. But, oh, God, that was just amazing just as well. It's like, yeah, tell me who it is. I want to buy my year's wages. Yeah. I want to give him a year's wages. So, oh, man, you go JK Rowling. So it's glad that she's got time to do that in between um, uh, just trying to um, dismiss uh, trans people. And, yeah, she, you know just retcon everything in the Harry Potter world. Yeah, I still think one of the best jokes I ever made is when we did a um, a video about how the J.K. Rowling's backstory is just all horse shit. Mm-hmm. So have you ever heard the backstory that she tells people? Like It's one of those rags to riches stories of I wrote Harry Potter when I was a single mum and I used to go to a cafe every day because I didn't have any heating in my house. Yeah, I've heard a lot of like that story. You know... Uh, Summed up, I haven't looked into the details or anything. Okay, yeah, well, um, turns out it's, it's all bullshit. Um, not only, she was a single mother, but she willingly went on to unemployment benefits. So she willingly did that, got a really nice severance package from her old job, and got a grant to write it, which is an unheard of thing for a new writer. Mm-hmm. Not to mention a friend of hers could just give her like £10,000. Fucking hell. So she had unemployment benefits, um, £10,000 and a grant for several thousand um, pounds as well, which would be the equivalent of like a £40,000, £50,000 a year job. Mm-hmm. And then went to a cafe every single day, which you like, you know that's when it's a rich person's idea of what a poor person has to do to get by. Yeah. Said, I had to go to a cafe because there was no heating. So we'll go to a cafe, you have to buy a cup of coffee. Yeah. Which is like three, four quid, which poor people can't afford every day. <laughs> Yeah, like, I, um, when I came out of university, had a stint of maybe a year unemployed, mm-hmm. and um, I think at, at the time I hated it and stuff, but to be fair, it's given me, like, a good, a better perspective, I think. Yeah. But, like, um, yeah, I did not have the money to go and buy a coffee every day. Yeah, but it's, that's what I mean, it's, it's a poor person's romanticised idea, it's a rich person's romanticised idea of what it's like to be poor. Yeah, it's very uh, much like the kind of TV or film trope of like, oh, well, I'm a poor writer trying to get by and go into a cafe every day. Yes, if you were really a poor writer, you would not be fucking going to a cafe every day. You'd be sat inside your house. Probably doing that like shit. heating off because you can't afford it. Wearing a second layer of jumper. Yep. But um, and the reason I say it's one of the best jokes I've ever written is because when I mentioned this in the video, it was um, like Brad did some research and found out, oh man, I found some conflicting sources where she's changed the story again. No, no. Where she's changed the story multiple times. And um, what I did is I said, okay, so just add a fact bar at the bottom, just saying, apparently JK Rowling has 
you know, tra- change the backstory on this mm-hmm. herself. Uh, sorry, well, right. J.K. Rowling disputes her own fucking claims about her past. It, like, damn it, I need to figure it because it's a really good joke, but I'm making it sound really bad. <laughs> uh, according to J.K. Rowling, this is not true, which disagrees with a statement from J.K. Rowling. When I pointed this out to Carl, he just said, "Man, she can't even get her own. She can't even help changing her own backstory." That was it. <laughs> Because she's changed her own backstory yeah, after the yeah. fact. It's like, oh, god damn it. It's like, I am baffled to see um, just the way she responds with her fan base in the sense of, like, no matter what people come out with of going, like, wouldn't it have been really cool if this was written into the story? It's just, oh, yeah, that's what I had in mind. <laughs> I didn't write yeah. it down anywhere or give any extra details. Just, yeah, that's what that's what I thought. Yeah, um, or the ones where she has just been straight up, she just doesn't know her own universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good example being, um, I believe it was the casting for Cursed Child, where they cast a black lady to play Hermione. Okay. Um, which I think is a good casting choice. It's an interesting yeah, take on the character, and yeah. when it comes down to it, who really gives a fuck? And the way it's J.K. Rowling... It's something that's important to a character. It's not, no, as much as how smart she is, and mm-hmm. realistically, it's a stage play, so who gives that much of a shit yeah but the thing that jk rowling said in response to that was oh it's an excellent idea because i never once said in any of the books that hermione was white okay. i only said that she was a young girl with frizzy dark hair mm-hmm. which could be you know a young black girl she got you know afro type hair yeah, yeah the problem is there are lines in the book that refer to having a pale face <laughs> and there are also as well all the art on the front of the books that she signed off on yeah that's true yeah yeah. And I thought, like, she had such a good point with that. If it wasn't for the fact she also couldn't remember how she described the character. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I thought, when I saw it, that's a really good point. If you just read the description of, it's a young girl with dark, frizzy hair. Mm-hmm. Why yeah, yeah, do you, that... Like, that could be a black girl. But then when you look at it and you just go, oh no, she's got a white face. <laughs> it's like, damn you, J.K. Rowling. You almost had a point. Nearly, nearly. One day you call, she'll get there. Then there's all the other stuff where it was the uh, Lavender Brown, uh, who um, is a love interest for Ron in one of the books. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Um, up until she became the love interest for Ron in the films, was played by a black girl. But the moment that she becomes a love interest for Ron, suddenly she's played by a white actress. Oh, no. And then they change the actress, and they never explain why. Oh, that's yeah. rough. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's the that's thing that happened. But to be fair, that's not necessarily like on JK. No, but she does have... Um, she had final say on all the casting, though. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, but like, yeah, that um, is very much a, a Hollywood production thing, I would yeah. assume. You always hear stories like that. It's always like, oh, for fuck's sake, man. Why did yeah, you have well, to do um, that? I know one like common story is like the people didn't believe that Will Smith would be marketable, did they? Uh, yeah, we've talked about that before. Yeah, yeah. Where there was years and years and years where they didn't think Will Smith could carry a movie because mm-hmm. the idea was in America that a black man couldn't lead a film when it wasn't really an issue anywhere else in the world. Yeah. Because not everywhere else in the world gives such a huge shit about people being black as America does. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I think it was um, like the Men in Black movie or something like that, one of those early Will Smith vehicles that just went super huge on the world stage that they realised... and. Hollywood producers, rather than realising, wow, black men can lead movies, it was, wow, Will Smith is the exception to the rule that we yeah. made up. It's like, oh, God damn it. Oh, God damn it, you learnt the wrong lesson. 
I hate, and there's always, there's so many examples of Hollywood execs learning the wrong lesson. Yeah. And the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the, the, the perfect way to encapsulate this. Of, the pinnacle. Of other movie studios, other huge big companies saw the Marvel movies. They mm-hmm. saw this um, highly collated, extremely tightly run series of movies with a, de- a, def- a definite vision run by one thing, guy. Bits of inconsistencies over the 10 years. But they have, you know, overall got such a cohesive and forethought, like, I say, vision for the films. And there was a 10-year plan in place. I don't think from the very start there was always plans to make a um, at least several movies in a row. Because um, we talked about that briefly in another video, putting up about Clark Gregg, who plays Agent um, Coulson. Coulson, yeah. 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 Initially, he was hesitant to accept the role. Because mm-hmm. he got handed the script and got told, okay, this is a character that's going to be in three movies. And he looked at the script and he was in two scenes, had three lines, and his character was called Agent. And he looked at it, there's no fucking way I'm going to be in three movies with a character. Like, this character's going to be in three movies. But in the first couple of appearances, it's just like foreshadowing S.H.I.E.L.D. to become yeah. a bigger part later. And it's almost like Marvel had a plan and they want, and they were asking... Greg to trust that plan, and he did, mm-hmm. and he made out like a bandit because of it. But Literally, movie other Iron Man one has foreshadowing for like Avengers, etc., etc., and Captain America. Yeah, because there's Captain America Shield, and there's all sorts of stuff. And then mm-hmm. the best example being uh, it was Samuel Jackson, who he was offered a nine movie deal um, during the fir- production of the first Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. So he was offered 10 movies, essentially. Right? So basically all the way up to Infinity War slash Endgame. Yeah. He was, he was offered 10 years worth of guaranteed roles on the first movie. Fucking hell. And that was known as being like this unprecedented deal. And you'll be able to track down um, trade papers talking about it, mm-hmm. calling Marvel idiots for doing it. Of Why the fuck would they like you know point to the stands this early and say, yeah, we're going to give Samuel L. Jackson guaranteed um, placement in 10 fucking movies when they have not even released the first one. It's really insane to me, like, the ballsiness of the plays they made. It is, but the reason they succeeded is because they had a cohesive vision, they had a good mm-hmm. product, they got good actors, and they got people who believed in the same vision as them to help them make their movies. And when they didn't, yep. they replaced them, whether or not it was the best decision creatively, or like from mm-hmm. a, the standpoint, like the creative from the director's standpoint. So you look at Ant-Man for that, where Edgar Wright had a very interesting vision for the film, but it wasn't in it wasn't cohesive to the universe they'd built so far. Exactly, it wasn't in line enough with their vision for everything. And you can argue one way or the other about whether or not you agree with that, but you have to give props to Marvel. Like, no, we've sorry, but this is how it's got to be. I'm really let... upset because Edgar Wright is potentially my favorite director. He's a very good director, yeah. and I'd have loved to see that film. But yeah, I also respect Marvel for going, no, this is like our universe and we're sticking to our guns. And this is the vision that we have. And other studios saw that and the lesson they took from it wasn't, oh, make good movies with a vision and get people who believe the same vision as you to make those movies. Just make superhero movies and make them all um, fight each other. Link them all together. Yeah. Make a cinematic universe. Why? Because that's what's big. It's like, that, that's not why it's successful. <laughs> the dark universe, Carl. Oh, man. Do you know, that Twitter account has like three tweets total. <laughs> the tweet where they introduced... Like, people don't know what we're talking about. Um, universal pictures. And this is the perfect... Like, it's, the, it's the anti-Marvel. 
Yeah. Like DC, for all the fights and foibles, have still released a number of movies. But they have, yeah. Universal, I, very obviously inspired by the success of the MCU, tried to make the Dark Universe. And we've talked about it, I think, on the podcast before, but that was a year ago, so fuck it. And this was supposed to be a cinematic universe in which all of the universal monsters, so Frankenstein, Dracula, the Wolfman, Creature from the Black Lagoon, etc., um, etc., et mm-hmm. all got together and fought Avengers-style. The, and they, yeah, they went as far to get a cast photo after the mummy, or around the time the mummy was being made, so the mummy movie with Tom Cruise, with Tom Cruise, um, Javier Bardem, uh, Russell Crowe, Johnny Depp, and I forget the name, Sophia Butella, I believe it is, who plays the mummy. Uh, I'm not sure about the actress because I've not seen the film. It doesn't matter anyway. They, they got yeah. those five actors together and got them all to take a photo and like, yeah, we're going to announce, here. look at this new universe we've made. Um which is hilarious because it later emerged that they couldn't even get all five actors on st- on set at the same day. So they just photoshopped it all together? They photoshopped them all together, yes. <laughs> and I believe there's a video we made where we joke about it and we oh re-edit in our version of the Dark Universe. Because <laughs> have you ever heard mine and Brad's idea for the Dark Universe that we thought would be better? I know, I've not, I've not seen so that. It doesn't yet. matter because the Dark Universe is not going to exist because Tom no. Cruise's ego ruined it. And the idea that me and Brad was, or me, the idea me and Brad had was, um, you make it so that the 2000s, late 90s mummy movies starring Brendan Fraser say that they're canon. Including like the Scorpion King. Say that they're canon and just ignore the Scorpion King. Just say they're okay, canon. Okay. And what you do is, is Joe, you have the Avengers moment. You have the Samuel L. Jackson rocks up and tells Tony Stark it's the Avengers initiative. Mm-hmm. As the big reveal, like, holy shit, what Sam Jackson did. Nick Fury's here yeah. at the end of Iron Man. At the end of that Mummy movie, you have Brendan Fraser do the same thing. And you have Brendan Fraser be the Samuel L. Jackson. Of, <laughs> of him coming in and just going, oh, I've got to tell you, there's other monsters we have to hunt. And our idea was, you establish in a later movie that Brendan Fraser, due to his experience hunting mummies, was contracted by a secret society or whatever the bollocks... <laughs> to hunt other monsters oh, okay. and spent the last few years in secret hunting monsters during which time the mantle of Van Helsing was passed to him. Oh my God. And instead of making Van Helsing a person, you make it a mantle that's passed down. Mm-hmm. And what you do is you say that his wife's dead. You say that his kid's dead and you say that he's fighting. And when he destroys all the monsters, he can finally be at peace. Oh my God. He, yeah. he took on the mantle of Van Helsing to hunt monsters and what you do then is then you get everybody else in with him to fight the monsters. That'd be really cool. It would as well. And then, in addition to being a cool idea, you get the nostalgia that Universal were clearly banking on for movies released in the 1920s that no one remembers. <laughs> We've had a bank, instead of moved it forward and banked on the nostalgia for the Mummy movies, which were really big, popular movies. They were apparently like very big movies at the time. I, well, that's I remember was... a lot of people giving a shit about them, even though I was quite young. Yeah, and they're fondly remembered today. So if they'd have leaned into it a little bit and brought in Brendan Fraser, they could have like cap- capitalized on some of that goodwill and momentum. Mm-hmm. and get like, hit the ground running, so to speak. But instead, they just made it all about Tom Cruise. <laughs> and the idea we had was, you get you sack off everybody else, and the only person you keep in is Tom Cruise, but you don't make Tom Cruise the mummy. 
you make Tom Cruise um, Dorian Gray. Oh. And instead, instead of Thanos, you have Dorian Gray. Mm-hmm. And you have it so that the Infinity Stones, it's, you have to track down the portrait. So you're right, going to rip off yeah. the Marvel movies, you might as well rip them off wholesale and just change some words <laughs> exactly. around. And make it so that the quest is to find his... Uh, make it so you need to track down his portrait and you change the backstory of Dorian Gray a bit and just say that every person he kills, he gets their life. Uh, it traps their souls inside the painting. Mm-hmm. And then and make it so like it's... source of power. Yeah, and then you make it so that, oh, so Tom Cruise, Dorian Gray, has the power of, say, a million people or whatever. And then yeah, his yeah. plan, and that sort of gives him superpowers, and his plan is to kill the world so he lives forever. <laughs> so he wants to destroy the universe. Yeah, yeah. And isn't that more interesting than that is whatever? A lot more yeah. Interesting topic, and, but as I um, say, yeah, I, I remember me and Brad. We talked about that for like two hours after we recorded that video, and we <laughs> sketched out like timelines and everything, and went, "Oh my god, they'll never do this because it's no. too fun." It's too fun and it's not safe enough. It's really weird as well. Like, one of the biggest lessons that I would take from Marvel is to be fun. And they just went, no, it's got to be dark. Oh, well, that brings us straight back round to the other news that broke last week. Oh, speaking, of, speaking of dark and awful, Lucas, are you looking forward to... <laughs> we, we could talk about this because did we go on record as saying nobody knows that the Snyder Cut exists? Uh, in a video. That was a Wiki Weekends video. It was. And do you remember what we said during that video? Because we didn't say the Snyder Cut doesn't exist. We said that no one can agree whether or not that it does. Yes. And as well, we, um, or that you mentioned um, that it was a case of a lot of people say that the Snyder Cut exists in some form, but it's not finished. Yeah. So that's important to know because that goes hand in hand with the story. The Snyder Cut uh, or Zack Snyder is being given permission by Warner Bros to take the footage that he has and re-edit it to make his vision of the movie, which people saw and went, well, the Snyder Cut exists. Carl was wrong. Cause I yeah. got a few messages telling me, oh, well, this article headline's a bit embarrassing now, isn't it? It's like, no, because the, if anything, this proves that it didn't exist because it's going to take a year to come out. And it's going to cost them 20 to $30 million. Because they have to re-edit all the footage that wasn't finished. So, so if anything, this proves that it didn't exist and that Zack Snyder was full of shit when yeah. he was tweeting out those photos of like, look, it exists. Here's a showreel with Snyder cut written on it. Even though that's not what they call showreels for movies. And as well, it's like, oh, look at this. I, I made the Snyder cut. Is it finished? Well, no. But it, but it exists, right? It's like, no. No, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist because it's not finished. But yeah, I, um, I got a few messages about that from people saying, well, you were wrong. Look at it, it exists. It's been confirmed here. Well, no, it's been confirmed that it's getting made, which is the exact opposite of confirming that it exists. <laughs> it's just, oh man, I love it. I, love, I can't wait. Truly, Joe, Carl, 2020 is the end of the world. It's going to be four hours long. It's going to be four hours long, Carl. Yeah. That movie's unbearably long already. Yeah, do you know what my favourite part about it was though? It was the announcement that Warner Bros did. Well, they, like, oh man, how do we let people know it's the Zack Snyder version of the movie? Um, awkwardly edit all the characters together and put it in black and white. Nailed yeah. it. What it's sums totally... up Zack Snyder more than the characters being awkwardly edited onto the same page even though they don't belong and taking everything fun and unique and colourful out of it? 
I think the only thing that would have sealed it is if it was a slow-mo video. Oh, God, yeah, you know, it was a face, um, a live photo. So yeah. When you say live photos on an iPhone, it just moves a little bit. One of them. <laughs> but I think the best, like, angry message I got about that is, but Carl, aren't you interested in seeing um, the director's vision of the movie? I went, no, because the director makes shit movies and isn't very good. It's true. It's like, oh, Carl, you took a bite out of that shit sandwich, but don't you want to see a chef make a better shit sandwich? It's like, no, the main ingredient's still shit. I don't want to. Oh, God. But it's so good. Because I I could, I use the Snyder Cut and its existence or lack thereof as a litmus test for should I give a fuck about this person's opinions in regards to <laughs> yeah. media? Because if I, every single prominent person in like media criticism I saw going, I can't wait. I went, well, I never need to listen to you ever again. It's just when you're like, if you click on somebody's Twitter profile and the tag, the, the bio tag has released the Snyder Cut, and it's like, well, <laughs> I know who to not listen to. Oh, it's great. It's so funny. But are you looking forward to it? I'm looking forward to it just for the train wreck. I'm really looking forward to seeing how bad it gets. And all of those people going, well, it can't possibly be worse than Justice League. It's like, well, it fucking can. It can. Do you know Darkseid's in that movie? What? Dark Side's in it. When? No, he's he's in Snyder's version, but his um his appearance got cut out. No. And do you know why it got cut out? No. Because it's five seconds long. Oh. Yeah, I can spoil it. I don't give a fuck. Um, in the original, the script, um, do you know, after Steppenwolf dies, mm-hmm. um, there's a portal opens up and Dark Side's in it. And that's it. Oh, so they tried to just do the Thanos. They literally ripped off the Thanos bit, yeah, which was in yeah. Avengers, the movie that Joss Whedon directed. And he realised, man, this really looks desperate, like they're trying to like, rip off Avengers. Maybe I should cut this out. <laughs> and Zack Snyder's going to put it back in. Yeah. Because, man, <laughs> he is desperate for that to be like the Avengers. He wants it to be his Avengers. And I bet he's hoping as well, it's been long enough since the Avengers that people won't realise it's ripping it off. Oh, God. But yeah, I it was literally going to, like... to be... And it makes it even funny that Thanos looks just like Darkseid. Yeah. They, they look almost exactly the same because they're just big, huge, beefy dudes with weird coloured skin mm-hmm. and really cool looking armour. It's like, I'm just looking forward to um, those like, you know, comparison videos over like Twitter and Instagram in a year. Just that showing them shot by shot, side to side. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. Um, the only reason I'd ever want to see Darkseid in a movie is just to see how they'd use um, Realises Omega Beams. Uh, that would be amazing. Because I think they're one of the coolest things ever. Because if you're not familiar with the Omega Beams, they are special lasers that Darkseid fires out of his eyes. Mm-hmm. But to differentiate from like Superman's eye lasers, that's going in a straight line. They go in weird, specific angles across the world, and they're supposed to be undodgeable. Even though Batman can dodge them. Yeah, Batman dodges them, even though he's... Like, Superman can't dodge them, but Batman can, because <laughs> fucking comics. But uh, yeah, like, and they go they in weird the angles. Flash. And Batman backflips and dodges. And dodges them and then shoots Darkseid with um, a mega gun that he invents. Whatever. Oh, Fucking, I want to see that moment. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, it doesn't really make sense because um, Zack Snyder's Batman uses a gun. So the moment of Batman picking up a gun for the first time is kind of lost. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, he's been yeah. murdering people the entire time. Like, brutally. Oh, yeah. Because um, something that I... Uh, it was an... An argument I saw for why that's okay, that I didn't really have the ability to argue against, hmm. because I didn't know enough about it, and so I rewatched the uh, Tim Burton Batman movies. Um, okay. Zack Snyder's defense for why Batman in his movies brutally beats people, 
and very obviously murders people is when he talks about the Tim Burton movie. And he says, well, the Batman in that movie kills people all the time. Yeah. And you can't really argue against that when you can just smash cut to three separate clips of Batman like pushing people down wells with bombs on them yeah. and setting them on fire with a Batmobile. Yeah. And I rewatched the Tim Burton Batman movies recently and went, well, you kind of get away with it. Because have you ever seen George of a Jungle? A long time Tr- ago. Trust yeah. me, I'm going somewhere with this. And you know when the guy falls off the mountain? Not and specifically. Was a, a guy falls off the mountain mm-hmm. and the voiceover man goes, don't worry, this is a PG movie, so no one really hurt gets hurt. They just no one really dies. They just get very big boo boos, and it <laughs> smash cuts and shows you a guy with his arm in a sling. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yes, it looks like these people get horribly hurt, but suspend your disbelief because it's a cartoony movie for children. This is the same movie where like Jack Nicholson as the Joker pulls out a revolver that's like thirty foot long. Yeah, and shoots a plane out of the sky. Yeah, and if you. Keep that in mind. Say, okay, it's a comic book movie. Yeah. Which are basically just, you know, written cartoons. Yeah, it's very yeah, cartoony. It, yes, it looks like these people have been violently murdered, but in the universe they exist in, like, people can be pushed into vats of toxic waste mm-hmm. and come out and have a permanent smile and makeup on. The one thing I will say is the moment where, like, it gets very real and Danny DeVito starts, like, biting someone's face off. Yeah, that's great, though, that. <laughs> <laughs> that's just Danny DeVito being Danny DeVito but it is yeah well, initially at face value that statement from Snyder you go you can't yeah it's true Batman does kill people in those movies and then you go actually no fuck you you're a director you should know the tone of those movies he establishes that this is not real horrific vi- super violence like you're putting in your movies exactly like, this, is a, this is isn't, a very silly film this isn't Jimmy Olsen getting his head blown off in the first five seconds of Batman vs Superman like, this isn't a person being brutally beaten to death. This is a person, like, cartoonishly catching on fire while holding a big cartoon bomb. Yeah. Like, it's closer to Adam West Batman than it is the Arkham games or whatever. Very much so, yeah. There's also something else I found out as well, which I think is great. And I'm, I'm hoping to make an article about it, where it was the casting of Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. Okay. So, um, Jesse Eisenberg plays Lex Luthor. Um, just by means of just an audible noise down the microphone, sum up Jesse Eisenberg's performance as um, Lex Luthor. <sighs> yeah. Uh, would it surprise you to learn that Jesse Eisenberg didn't initially um, audition to play Lex Luthor? Please tell me it was Superman. No. Um, I mentioned the character already. He actually initially auditioned to play Jimmy Olsen. I could see him doing that. And early in production the idea was that he would be jimmy olsen and that nervous frantic energy that he had would be he's superman's quirky best friend Mm -hmm. at the paper who's encouraging him to date lois lane and he would have been the comic relief type Mm -hmm. character i can see that so imagine that nervous like frenetic energy he's got and just imagine put a camera in his hand and have him at the scene of when superman's saving people like flitting around looking for clark kent clark 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 you, know, but you need to see this. Like, where were you? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it t- and according to an interview with Zack Snyder, um, he turned to someone halfway through production and went, "Man, wouldn't it be great if we just made him Lex Luthor?" No. To which the person said nothing, and Zack sounds like, "Now fuck it, it's my movie." No. Yeah, that's it's literally just Zack Snyder saw it and went, "This would make an interesting Lex Luthor," and then decided to kill off Jimmy Olsen instead. Oh god. But he gets us a little bit better because. Do you want to just hazard a guess 
at who he was actually, who he was initially planning to cast as Lex Luthor. And I'll give you a clue. It was a guy who was at the time very famous for being bald and scary. Um. Oh, um. What's his name? Brian Cranston. Yes. Yeah. Brian Brian Cranston was an early casting choice. But he ah, instead, I want to see. But he instead thought, let's make it Jesse Eisenberg. And I think that alone just says all you need to say about how good he's going to handle the remake when he turned down having Brian Cranston Lex Luthor to give us Jesse Eisenberg Lex Luthor. Like, if you ever needed any more of a reason to doubt Zack Snyder's vision, there it is. He decided against casting Brian Cranston, a guy known for playing a bald megalomaniac from playing Lex Luthor, a bald megalomaniac. And as well, like, obviously they're very different characters, but Brian Cranston plays um, Walter White as, like, a very... Um, he's a Shades of Grey character, yeah. He's a... like, well, he's very Shades of Grey, but at the same time, he manages to make a likeable character, but also one that can be terrifying. Yeah, he is. He, he is a, he's a sociopath. Like, Walter White is unabashedly one of the most horrific, monstrous characters from fiction in the last few decades. Brian Cranston makes him likeable. And you yeah. can you can see how. Like, if he played... I, ble- oh, I believe he could play Alex Luthor. That is simultaneously loathsome and awful, but can put on that public face and be likeable. Most And be the charismatic leader of Lex Corp. And be the public face of this company that fights against Superman. Mm-hmm. And instead we got Jesse Eisenberg pissing in a jar. <laughs> I mean, if anything, at least we we get to see that, that absolute trashy. No, it's so good. I want to. See, I just want to see the backstory, the twenty-minute backstory of like Lex Luthor, this multi-billionaire, pissing in a fucking jar <laughs> and sneaking it into the Capitol building. But man, like that. Uh, if you ever, if you, so the next time, folks, and you see someone going, "Now Zack Snyder's a good director," tell him he turned down casting Brian Cranston as Lex Luthor. Yeah, because he thought Jesse Eisenberg would do a better job. And speaking of, you know, BVFs. Okay. Uh, so, I thought, you know, the film was not great, obviously. Like, you've got a lot of issues with it. I thought there's a couple of redeemable things, and mainly in the sense of, like, the action was quite good. Yes. And that was, like, the only redeemable part of the film for me, like, the warehouse scene and the fight between Batman and Superman. Same with Man of Steel, where... Um, yeah. Far- is it Farrah? Where uh, that is the most realistic... I think a Superman fight scene has ever been in showcasing a fight between two completely invincible beings. Yeah. Uh, because the, my favorite little detail about that scene is that they are constantly being fired at by the military and they don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like Superman is perpetually being, being hit by small arms fire from an entire platoon of soldiers and never once flinches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's great. And then there's the fight with Zod where every time he punches Zod was a sonic boom. Mm-hmm. showing how hard and how fast he's actually punching him. But yeah, not a great movie. But some, no, ne- some neat stuff in it though. Yeah, there is. But what I was going to say is like, I got so betrayed by okay. like, people online because, you know, that film came out and I, I've just spoke about my opinions and everybody online was like, yeah, 
But the extended edition makes Oh no, sense. did you fall for it and watch the extended edition? And I bought the fucking Blu-ray extended edition. Which is just half an hour longer. And oh, that was an extra 40 minutes on our life will not get back. And it's just, they just make it worse. Yeah. I'm still mad about this, as you can fucking tell. I believed oh. everybody, Carl. You've, because the people who say that are the Zack Snyder stands who, re, who refuse to believe that he's done any wrong. Yeah. And they're the same kind of people who think because it's dark, it's more adult. Mm-hmm. And the absolute best way I've heard it described is when you've never swam in the ocean, a swimming pool feels deep. <laughs> and that's Zack Snyder movies to a fucking T. Yeah. So it feels oh, deep. Because it's like the, that Joker movie where it feels deep because it's telling you what it is. It's telling you that it's deep. Oh, right, okay. I've yeah, still so not seen it. No, you don't need to. Because, yeah. you know, obviously it came out and people just set the, the expectations of that film so high. Yeah, it's one of those films that I'm definitely going to watch. One day, after all the hype's died down, and I'm going to watch mm. it not as a Joker movie, I'm going to watch it as a character piece because apparently yeah. Joaquin Phoenix knocks it out of the fucking park. So I'm going to watch it like that. That's what I'm like hoping to do as well. And as you say, like Joaquin Phoenix is such a good actor. Oh, he's especially amazing. in those kind of roles. The, uh, he's a proper character actor. Mm-hmm. Like the, uh, he famously pretended to go crazy for like two years for a role. Like you must. Do you remember the crazy Wahine Phoenix days where he just rock up to interviews with a giant beard and sunglasses? Oh yeah. <laughs> and everyone thought he was going insane. Yeah. And it's kind of uh, it's kind of believable because he's a weird dude. And it turns out I no, mean, it's, he it's, it's kind of keeps himself to himself for the most part. Yeah, he was just he was doing it for a wrong. <laughs> he's, that, he's that Daniel Day Lewis element to him. Like he's, so he's one of those actors. Where when did he like send rats, dead rats, to his co-hosts like co-stars? No, no. Oh, was that, that, Jared was Le- that was Jared Leto, that one, it. Yeah. In between sending messages to underage girls on Instagram. Oh, God. And I can say that because Joe, who accused him of that, was Cole uh, Sprouse. Oh. Like one, like one of the, the actors from like Disney Channel or something like that. Uh, well, like, uh, Cody. Yeah, that was it, yeah. I think uh, like Jared Leto tweeted something out and just in out of nowhere, it was one of those dunkings that came out of nowhere. <laughs> where it was just, oh, man, I don't know anything about you, but I do know that you've been messaging underage girls. Oh, God. And then he never ex- he never expanded on why he said it, but he just oh, left it at that. He's like, he okay. Just, he just put it out there and just. We're gonna it put sit. this out there and just let just let it sit. Oh God, that's amazing. Looks like yeah, man. And as well, celebrities who've got publicists don't put shit out like that unless they are expecting to not get sued. Yeah, because as far as I'm aware, that tweet's still up. And that's it one is. of those things where you can't say, you can't say something like that. And not get told to take it down if it's not true. Yeah, yeah. So it feels like one of those things where he said it, and Jared was like, "Maybe if I ignore it, it'll go away." Because it's classed as like, uh, would it be libel? Uh, I don't know. Um, no, it's slander when it's in print. I remember oh, okay, that. Yeah. I remember that from Spider Man. <laughs> it's libel if it's spoken. It's slander if it's printed. Okay. I God damn, do I love. Difference. I fucking love J. Jonah Jameson. That movie's so good. I can't. Can we, can we talk about Spider Man One and Two? What? Can we talk about Tobey Maguire Spider-Man? We, we can, but I just want to preface, like, it's so amazing and such a testament to, like, um, the actor that they brought him back for oh, uh, the same role in the new, like, Spider-Man films. J.K. Simmons. Yeah, yeah. 
All you got to do is explain it away. Is the Marvel universe has already said there's like parallel universes. I don't need explanation. It's yeah, perfect you don't, because he's the best character for the role. Yeah, and as well, like, I think straight up, people have pointed out as well that I called that. Yeah, I think we've had conversations about it before it happened. Yeah, I called it out two years before it happened, where mm. um, I was criticizing how they introduced Spider Man. Right. Where they in um, the re the way they introduced Spider Man into the MCU was they literally just released a trailer for Civil War and he's just in it. Yeah, and it's yeah, the one where he appears and says, "Hey, everyone!" It was that one. It's like, "Hi, I'm Spider-Man." Yeah, Spider that. And I said, "That's bullshit." What they should have done is, what film was before Civil War? I should know this. I watched it like a week ago. Okay. Um, I'm not entirely sure. It might have been Guardians. Okay. Well, whatever film was set on Earth that was before Civil War, um, they should have had. Um, it should have been a tr it should have been a panel shot of an office. So it set the scene an office, generic office in New York. So you can see the New York skyline out the window. It pans across. You see a few framed photos and headlines, uh, referencing things like uh, the Chitauri invasion, mm -hmm. like maybe Hulk's attack, something like that. Maybe a few like little few Easter eggs for yeah. Marvel fans about things that have happened in New York. And as they pan across, you you notice something. The headline. You see the headline Daily Bugle. And they pan across, and it goes across as a pair of shoes on a desk and a newspaper. And it's the events of whatever just happened in that film. And the paper gets pulled down, and it's J.K. Simmons in full J. Jonah Jameson outfit. And he just says, get Parker in here. Um, and, that, and that's all you had to do. Yeah, I've just looked it up. Apparently, Ant-Man. I was wrong. Ant-Man. So at the end of Ant-Man, you should have had that. That would have been really cool. But they went in a different direction as Peter Parker's a young, younger kid. He's in yeah, high school yeah, in this yeah. one, but they still could have done that J. Jonah Jameson thing of going across and he's just reading a headline and it should have asked Spider-Man. Mysterious. Yeah, like, like, you still could have done the stinger at the end, but yeah, maybe like Spider-Man's on the paper that he's reading. Anyway, I want, like, can someone get me a, can no one get me a better photo of this, like this idiot? Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. J. Jonah Jameson in full costume. And I thought that would have been a way hyper thing. Actually, because to be fair as well, like they could have done, like give him a funny gag of like, Oh great! First we had a Spider Man, now there's an Ant Man. Yeah. That oh, first we had an, first we had an Ant Man, now there's spiders. What are that? What yeah, are these yeah. things? The multiplying. And they could have done. <laughs> and I just think that would have been a good. And I called that because that's what they use at the stinger at the end of um, Far From Home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. J it's J K Simmons. It's like the Daily Bugle, and it flashes. Oh, it's J K Simmons. And he's just Fox believe. News now. Daily Bugle's just Fox News. <laughs> Before we get into like Spider Man One Two, if you want to talk okay. about. Can have you got any theories then of like what the fuck they're gonna do with like you know spoilers for Far From Home? Get out now! Mm -hmm. uh, at the end, the stinger is J. Jonah Jameson like finding out that Spider Man is Peter Parker. Uh, they're gonna do some bullshit with the robot suit. Or they're gonna use the um, Stark tech that creates holograms to make a hologram Spider Man. Or they're gonna introduce Miles Morales. And Miles Morales will put the original Spider-Man costume on, and ah, swing okay. in, and swing and swing into the office, and say hi when J. Jonah Jameson and Peter Parker are talking. Oh, I'm gonna be so hyped for like getting Miles Morales in there. Yeah, it's gonna be that. There'll be a thing where it'll be like Peter Parker is speaking, he's on like the news thing talking to Jameson, mm. and just someone dressed like Spider-Man will swing in. Yeah, yeah, like 
either Gwen or Miles Morales or yeah, and, it'll be, and, and that'll be a reveal for the next thing like, I'm calling mm. it like two years down the line that's how that's what it's going to be <laughs> because that's so what I do you reckon they're not going to go like dark mode with this they're going to go oh well Peter Parker's going to like prove that he's not Spider-Man yeah okay because obviously you've started they've started setting up essentially the Sinister Six they could do yeah, that, and that's, and that's what it'll be. It'll be uh, multiple Spider-Man, mm-hmm. or someone will help him. But uh, Because that's what i do if I wanted to elicit maximum height. You bring in someone else who has spider powers, you make it, whether it's Spider-Gwen or whether it's um, uh, Miles Morales. Um, or even if it's just you put someone else in the costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's the robot costume, it produces its own thing. To be fair, like, I, um, I'd or be down Venom. for, you know, MCU version of Spider-Verse. Yeah, or they just put Venom in. Or because the Ven- the way Venom is introduced in the comics is that he um, comes in on a meteorite or something like that. Or Spider-Man saves J. Jonah Jameson's son in one of the comics. Mm-hmm. So they might have that. And Jameson will agree to retract the story because he saves his son. Maybe, yeah, yeah. And they might have that. There's obviously a lot of different stories that you can pull from for Spider-Man. Um, I just kind of hope that they do something interesting rather than just kind of if it's immediately written off at the start of the next film, I'll be pissed off. Well, that's what they did with um, half the universe getting erased. Yeah, that's true. Half the universe in, get, in an they interesting talk, way. They sum up half the universe getting erased and then coming back into existence with a, a, a thing made by high school students. And I thought, <laughs> yeah. that's such a clever way of doing it. It is. Because it's massive, far-reaching consequences, but Spider-Man has always been a movie about very personal, small issues. He's a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So they, they tell it in a small, local, orientated way, and you just have to extrapolate that and just imagine it happened all across the world. Yeah, and they did a good job of like zoning back in on Spider-Man after such an expansive film. Which I thought was a genius decision, because like, how do you top a literal universe-threatening event? Just go tell a simple story about one guy just wanting to get fucking laid. <laughs> just wants to, he just wants to fucking bang Mary Jane, man. Yeah, man. Oh, so good. And is it official that Zendaya is it is that her name? The actress? Yes. Yeah. Is it official that she is Mary Jane or is she just called MJ? Uh it's it's official that like she is that universe's version of Mary Jane. Okay, she's not actually been called Mary Jane yet, has she? Because there's a load of weird legal fuckery to do with that. Mm-hmm. Where Mary Jane and Spider Man have to be white for some reason. Oh, God, fucking hell. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's their way of getting around her not technically being Mary Jane. And that's what they were... Bear in mind, let's think back to Homecoming when they were like, oh, Zendaya's going to be like the main, uh, uh, you know, female interest in it. It's like, oh, is she, is she Mary Jane? No, no, no. She's not Mary Jane. She's a brand new character. And it's, and like, it's oh, like, she's MJ. No, call me MJ. It's like, for fuck's sake. I still like that one, though, where it was... Um, again, I forget the name of the actress, but in the first film, The Daughter of the Vulture, that girl, where people thought she, initially she was going to be Mary Jane... And you got the usual suspect crawling out the woodwork of like, she can't play Mary Jane. It's like, you know why they're saying that. Yeah, yeah. But you can't, because they're not saying that it's because she's black, they can deny it. Mm-hmm. And I saw a response from someone, it's like, why can't she? She's not right for the role. Yeah, why is she not right for the role? Well, she's not a redhead. To which someone responds with a photo of her with dyed red hair from an <laughs> event she was in. But no, yeah. she hasn't got naturally red hair, to which they responded with a photo of Kirsten Dunst, who has blonde hair in real life. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, oh, so perfect. Yeah. 
It's almost like actors can pretend to be other people. Oh my god. It's almost like it's their job. Yeah. But that that was I remember seeing that series of that exchange, it was so good. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, it's so good. I'm kind of glad that they want to tell a different story because I think that obviously amazing Spider-Man that was just like, it was doing a half-assed job of trying to kind of be Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3, but also trying to be its own thing. Yeah. I also hate the version of Uncle Ben in that. I think we briefly talked about it in a video where <laughs> Uncle Ben is directly responsible for his own death because he... He tackles a gunman. He attacks the gunman. He attacks a guy with a gun, completely against the advice of uh, even like trained police officers. Talk, if you see a guy with a gun, like you, if you, unless you've got your own gun, like sorry, you know, police officer they will do it. But like, they tell members of the public, if you see a guy with a gun, you let him go because yeah. he's got a gun. You let him go. You let him go home. We'll arrest him when he's in his house. Yeah, exactly. Right, it's the same reason when people are getting chased by cars, you don't. Try and Mad Max that shit and run them <laughs> off the road because that that causes undue threat and danger to pe- innocent people. You yeah. let them go and catch them later. Like Uncle well, Ben sees the gunman, sees the gun, and then wrestles with him and gets himself shot. Yeah, it's the same like kind of reason of if you're working in a shop or any kind of situation where you could get robbed, like a bank or whatever. They just say, give like, them the money. Give them the money. We'll sort the money's in, yeah, the money's insured. You're yeah. not. And and then you compare that to the original Uncle Ben, true Uncle Ben. Yeah. Where it is, he ha- he does the Uncle Ben thing. If he talks to the guy and says, look, you don't have to do this, which is what Uncle Ben would do. Mm-hmm. So, look, you, you might think this is your only option. It's not. And then he gets shot by accident. It's a tragic accident that could have been prevented yeah. by a person with superpowers. Instead of just, no, he's a dickhead old man who tries to tackle someone to the floor. And then for some reason he was like... Um... Sandman in number three. Mm-hmm. And they just wreck on that. And it's like, okay. Yeah, it's Sandman who shot him, which means that Spider-Man technically murdered someone who wasn't responsible for his uncle's death. Yeah, and it was just, oh, um, we need a reason to, like, give Spider-Man something to hate about Sandman. It, they didn't need to do that bloody retcon. I hate that retcon. Because why, why don't we just make it so Sandman is just a super criminal? Yeah, why can't... He doesn't need to be tied to Spider-Man. Why can't he just be a criminal? Why can't he just be a fun movie about Spider-Man saving the day? Yeah. It's like, oh, man. Because they even set up the fourth movie in that. There was the the, 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 the fourth movie going to be The Lizard. Because they have Dr. Connors in that movie, don't they? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course they do, yeah. And the guy with one arm. So they were setting up The Lizard. And it's like, oh, man. Because I love The Lizard because he's so dumb because he's just a big crocodile man. I don't love the lizard in Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, because he looks terrible because he don't like a lizard. He looks like a fucking Ninja Turtle, but a bad Michael Bay Ninja Turtle. Yeah. I prefer him in the original Spider-Man cartoon where he's just a big, dumb lizard. He is he's literally just... just a fucking crocodile. He's so fun. Like, Spider-Man's so fun. Like, I love as well all... It's something that was pointed out to me. All of Spider-Man's, like, major rogues galleries are just other creatures. They're other deadly creatures. Rhinos, scorpions, vultures. Or you've got, um... Again, like, I can't remember his name, but The Hunter. Yeah, Craven the Hunter. That's it, yeah. And it's like, oh, even that fits in. Because he hunts dangerous animals and he believes yeah. Spider-Man to be the most dangerous prey. And then you combine that and it's just Stilt Man. <laughs> Stilt Man. I love that. Because there's a, there's a neat little detail uh, they talk about. It's uh, there's a, something called the Bar with No Name in Marvel Comics. And oh, yeah, ba- yeah, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. It's the, uh, if people don't know, it's the bar where all the criminals hang out and drink. 
and it's not really it's believed to be in New York but it's like a secret underground club that criminals go to to shoot the shit and talk about their criminal exploits yeah, yeah. and they all and there's a a line they discuss when they're talking about Spider-Man where you're not re- you can't call yourself a super criminal until you fight Spider-Man at least once because <laughs> like the right a rite of passage for criminals in the up and coming like super criminal world is like you've got to fight Spider-Man and they even have like bets when they're watching news stories on TV of Spider-Man fighting criminals and they all say mm-hmm. well Spider-Man's going to win because he always beats new guys and they hold <laughs> bets on it and I love that idea it's like oh man he's fighting a big dumb lizard Oh, it's so cool. And, like, Spider-Man is such a fucking treasure. Like, I just... I think he's... Him and his universe are just, like, the epitome of the perfect kind of comic book. It's so good. Character and universe. Go fight this big lizard. It's just amazing. Fight a lizard, man. I do like, though, in Amazing Spider-Man, where Spider-Man gets shot. Mm. After a fight scene showing him dodging bullets. At point-blank range? Yeah. And then he gets shot from randomly from far away. But Carl, it's because like you know he's, he's distracted. distracted, so his spider sense wasn't working properly. Yeah, even though that's not how spider sense works. It overrides all his other senses. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dull. I hate that movie. I think the thing is, Spider Man's spider sense is so broken that they have to just start like finding ways for it to not exist. Because otherwise, it makes him ridiculous. Like they, they, I think they did a really good job of that in the Tom Holland movies, where they say because he's so young and he's so. Not he's not used to using his powers yet. It's overwhelming. Yeah, um, and like because he's still um, very like hormonal and doesn't really know who he is as a person. Like it's fucking about with him. It overwhelms his set, and he has to wear like noise canceling headphones and goggles mm-hmm. to focus. And then they have the bit at the end of Far From Home where he re- where he uses Spider Sense, and that's where you see oh Spider Man's unstoppable. Yeah, <laughs> because he defeats what forty drones with guns. With his eyes closed. Yeah, like, he's got drones just, like, mini guns on them, shooting at him at, like, near point-blank range, all down a fucking corridor, and he just takes them all out blind. It's like, yeah, Spider-Man's unstoppable. <laughs> Realistically, you can't beat him. Like, you see that and you go, there is no criminal who could be able to beat him now. Like, That's the thing, if his spider sense was at full capacity at all times, like, how the fuck do you deal with that? He's got his eyes closed, it's great. <laughs> It's such a good bit as well. I think, uh, I remember I watched that in um, Spanish. It was great. Really? Yeah, because uh, I was in America when Spider-Man Far From Home came out. Oh, okay. Uh, This is a funny story, because the first time I watched Spider-Man, I was in Philadelphia, and we went to West Philadelphia Mm. to watch, to a a movie theatre. So it was a um, a predominantly black neighbourhood in an urban area. It was where my friend who I was visiting, they went to college. Oh, so okay. we went there, we got some snacks, and it was like a really lively, charged up atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Because I, I want to go, like, you know, want a day one, screen, people are like, you know, screaming at the cinema. Yeah. Because I want to experience, like, because British theatres, like, good, tend to be quite muted, but I want to experience what it's like to be in a cinema where there's a lot of energy in it. Mm-hmm. And the moment that I point out has been the probably my favourite part of the MCU is when it's Peter Parker knocks on the door and Michael Keaton opens the door. Oh, man. And they st- And you just see Tom Holland just sweating <laughs> and he can't move because when I was in the city there was someone at the back saying oh you done done it now Spider-Man <laughs> and just everyone starts throwing popcorn at the screen and just whooping and cheering I love that reveal oh it was so good and I got to see that with this like, really hype crowd just everyone was just like loving it and everyone like all the hype moments people were cheering but people were quiet during the good moments mm-hmm. 
And then for the alternative, when I was um, far from home, I was in America again. I was in Los Angeles, and we went to a Hispanic neighborhood because we were okay. there getting some tacos. And um, we went to a matinee theater. It cost about $3. Oh, wow. The film came out that day. Um, it was a huge air-conditioned cinema, and it was in Spanish with English subtitles. Oh, okay. And then I watched it when I came home uh, in British. So I, I watched that fight scene in Spanish. And you just got Spider-Man just saying, um, you, can't, you can't trick me anymore in Spanish. It's like, yeah, you got Tom Holland. I think my favourite part of all that is that Carl watched Far From Home while he was Far From Home. I was, yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, it worked in Spanish because they've got subtitles. Yeah, at the end of the day, you've got subtitles. You can still watch it. But it's just like um, El Spider Negra. What is it? Oh, the, was it the Night Monkey? The Night Monkey. Yeah, it was something in Spanish that made me, it made me laugh. <laughs> but it, it was something like that. That was really funny. And... But it was just, again, it was a really good experience because it was like a matinee screening, middle of fucking day. And there was loads of like kids and stuff in there. And everyone was cheering and getting hype. I mean, it was a really, really hot day. And I had a massive fucking drink and a giant popcorn for like $4 because America. (laughs) And everyone was just getting really hyped for this film. This is a fun way to watch films when they're films that are meant to be fun. I wouldn't want to watch, say, I'm trying to think of an example now. Uh, like a horror movie like that they'd be infuriating if people were cheering and screaming at the cinema but like a superhero movie that's supposed to be fun and people are getting hyped during the fight scenes mm-hmm. that's pretty cool and did you and happen to is, see um, oh, sorry. there's a couple of videos that did the rounds of like um, I was going to mention this yeah. like Endgame and people reacted and for me it made me feel very uncomfortable like as a British view- viewer of a cinema but if that was like my second watching of that film do you want to set the scene for what the um, people might have shown? Because I, I was about to bring this up. Oh, yeah. Okay, so there was a couple of... Um, there's like, I think it was just a thread on Twitter. And somebody basically had filmed some cool moments in the theatre when Endgame was out. Yeah, they filmed that moment, the fight scene. They filmed, like, parts of that fight scene at the end. Yeah, that moment. The moment where Cat picks up Mjolnir and then the other part where all the portals start opening. Yeah. And... I can make you feel a little bit better, and that was the premiere. That was okay, a mid- yeah, yeah. that was the premiere at midnight in London, I believe. So that they were people. So they were people who'd been in the cinema all day watching all the films. I think that was an American thing. Oh, okay. I either way, I don't believe it was um, in English theaters. Well, either way, it was a midnight screening on the day. So they were people who like they queued up all day to watch this. So that yeah. makes it a bit more understandable why people are getting hype. Mm-hmm. Because I remember the same thing happened when I watched it the day it came out and the Cap moment where there was a, a group of kids behind us with their parents and when Cap, and when Mjolnir sat wobbling and flies over and grabs it and then you get the musical sting of the Avengers theme. Some kids behind us like, wow, I told you we'd do it, mum. And I'm like, yeah, this is a moment. Those kids, they're going to remember this for the rest of their fucking lives. This yeah, is yeah. something that has been a permanent staple of their childhood and this mm-hmm. is the culmination of that. I'm glad am, they get to experience this. The one time I've ever really reacted to anything in a theatre mm-hmm. um, was during Infinity War. Okay. And, you know, Spider-Man gets the Iron Spider outfit finally, and I was kind of like, ooh, I didn't like the look of it when they first like showed it off to him. Mm-hmm. So it looks better on the character in motion and stuff, and was like, oh, but it's a shame like he doesn't have the, the legs. And then the legs pop out. And then that moment where he catches himself with his legs, without even, like, thought, thought or thinking about it or whatever, I just went, oh, my God, 
I just like quickly put like, my hands over my mouth, like, stop talking. Stop talking. I was like, oh. no, but I just, I couldn't help myself. I was just like, oh my God. Don't you wish you'd had the moment though? Oh, you've done it now, Spider-Man. <laughs> just the way you said Spider-Man. It was great. I loved it. Yeah. It was so hype. But, oh yeah, that, that great moment though. Just like, oh, you don't because it's one of those things where the entire audience is like, ooh, it was like Jerry Springer. Yeah, yeah. It was like a taping of Jerry Springer, and I was all, I was all for it, <laughs> and I was so happy. And then like ten minutes later, you just get that fucking terrifying scene of Michael Keaton threatening Spider Man with a gun. And that's when people were going like, yeah, people were like, ooh, you gonna get it now? Yeah, man, it's great. And I can see that that might annoy you if you just want to watch the film. But I think Marvel movies, they're, a, they're an experience now. Oh, totally, yeah. And I think I kind of like both versions for different reasons. Yeah. Like, I would enjoy both experiences, but in very different ways. Yeah, and, and I, like I said, that Mjolnir moment, I would go to a, a screening where you could just cheer at the screen. Like, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> just play around sound effects over, get our phones out, and start playing Smash Bros. theme. It's like um, they did a lot of... Um, Mamma Mia had a lot of screenings where it was like the sing-along ones. Yeah, and then you have Rocky Horror Show, which is the famous one. Yeah, and my like some of my family went to a showing of Mamma Mia and were like, not sure how it was going to go, and then they came out and was like, that was amazing. You just get to sing along. Yeah. It's fun. It's, it's almost like films are a collaborative experience. And something to be enjoyed like, together. Are, yes. That is why we all go to a big theatre to watch them. It is, yeah, the it's the, you can it feels cliche to say, but you can feel like not electricity is probably the bad word. You can feel there's a tangible tension in the air when mm-hmm. you're in the cinema. Like the fight scene where it's Cap and he's stood and he's alone, and then yeah. you see the on your left, and you're like, and then you see and you from your peripheral people whispering to people next, and like, what the fuck is that? Do you know what that is? Mm-hmm. And you can feel the hype. So yeah, it's growing. And I still like it though when you just get um, um, Chadwick Boseman come out and he just goes, oh, you can't, no one can see what I'm doing, but I'm doing the thing where you smush your face or nod really slowly, like, mm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, we're about to fuck shit up now, boy. Yeah. But stuff's about to just get hype. Oh, God. It is so hype. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Like, that, that movie just blew me away. I can't believe they managed it. It's great. But don't you want to see Zack Snyder's? Um, Justice League with four members of the Justice League in it. Can you imagine getting that hype at any point in any DC film? That's the thing, right? Because can you imagine after that movie's come out, we've had a movie where there's forty main characters, (laughs) and there's a battle. There's a battle scene at the end with fifty odd characters in it, Mm. and everyone gets a moment, and they have a part, and they even had the flex moment of we have enough female characters in our movie to put an entire Avengers one fight scene in the middle of our fight scene just with the women we've got. Even though they did it in a very cringed, forced way. They did, but everyone had to get one moment. Like the Captain America moment where it's like, oh, here's three comic panels in a row. Yeah. Like, it's, that moment was all fan service. Mm-hmm. And you compare it to the Superman, like the Justice League movie, it's like, don't you want to see Cyborg get his moment? It's like, <laughs> who? Don't you want to yeah, see... Yeah, Ac- the thing is, half of them aren't even like actual characters that have been introduced. Because you've got no attachment to them. Mm. I have an. I want to see what I want to see. Uh, like Mantis doing psychic Mantis combos to a giant monster because she's a cool character. Has some neat moments in other movies. Yeah. I don't know who the fuck Cyborg is. He's just some guy. He is. He's even. He's even going to be even more of just a guy now. 
Yeah. Do they cut out half his scenes and the actor's really mad about it? I mean, I'd be fucking mad. I'd be happy. I'd be happy that less I've got less <laughs> screen time in that movie. And the worst thing is, like, it wasn't even... Of course it wasn't, because, you know, Snyder. But it wasn't even, like, fun Teen Titans cyborg. No, I love... He didn't even say Booyah once. No, not once. Not even, once. So he didn't say Booyah. So fuck you. That's they the only thing I want. Booyah in fucking Injustice. Yeah, that's all I want is the... They even got the same voice actor in for it. Yeah, they did, yeah. It's that the same brilliant. voice actor, he's just not very good. Not very good. It's like he's putting on a more adult voice, so it's mm. not very good. Like he's no. a great voice actor. Yeah, yeah. But like that booyah in Teen Titans is the best moment in that entire show. <laughs> like I can tell, like Teen Titans has a, a hyper fight scene in it than Justice League because um, do you remember the episode where it's Raven gets taken over by Trigon? I was going to say you need to give me more than Raven. Okay. There was an episode where Raven, it's Trigon, her dad is coming in mm-hmm. and she's in Titan's Tower and she's locked away and all the Titans go, we'll protect you. Yeah, yeah. And you have a moment where you have this unstoppable army of, of hell coming in, almost like the army that Steppenwolf summons. Mm-hmm. And just there's a moment where Cyborg just jumps in front of the building and says, no one's getting in my house. And he, all of his exhaust ports open and a giant cable comes out of Titan Towers, which people don't know, is a giant T that's full of like lights. And then you see a giant cannon come out of both his hands and then all of Titan's tower powers down to power his suit. (laughs) And he fires a a Kamehameha-esque beam of light that evaporates half like a continent. I forgot about that moment. Yeah, and that moment is so high, he's just, no one's getting in this house. And it's just, <laughs> all of t- all the power in the world goes into him. <laughs> and it's great. Oh, God. And, then in, was and then in the Justice League movie, he's just like, here's a box. Yeah. Flash, can you get a drop of water in this box? And it'll wake up Superman so he can do all, he can solve like, everything. <laughs> Cyborg, can you punch this guy? No. It's like, Cyborg, we need to wake up Superman so Superman can solve the problem. Because <laughs> Superman is going to do everything. What about all those characters that you just introduced with superpowers now? It's alright. The only good part of that movie is when the Flash is running around Superman and you just see Superman turn his head. <laughs> it's the best part because I love how angry Henry Cavill looks because you know that's during one of the reshoots. Oh, definitely. So you know, you know he's, like, he's pissed off look he's genuine because yeah. he's actually for reshoots and he's wearing like, like fucking fake... He's wearing, like, face putty on his face to cover his moustache. Oh, God. And it's just fucking great. It's like, Henry Cavill's looking really pissed off. It's like, you think you can outrun me? I want to know if they're going to use any of the reshoot footage. Uh, no, I won't. no, they won't, because Zack Snyder's, um, he's too proud. He's too egocentric to do that. That's what I'm thinking. So he's only going to use his original footage. So all those little, like, fun jokes that Joss Whedon tried to inject... Yeah, the Even I'm are Rich. also going to be taken out. Yeah, the I'm Rich line. Yeah, I think that was a Joss Whedon ad. And the it's I'm like, Rich. oh, so they tried to inject a bit of like happiness and fun into the film, like, a little bit. You mean like and a comic you're book? And you're going to rip that out of That's this comic point. book film? That's great. I wanted to do like a Mad Max thing. Like here's the black and chrome version, which is all in black and white. Oh God! Did you? We've we've mentioned it before, haven't we? But Zack Snyder, like tweeted out like this is my superman and it was and it's just him wearing all black it's a it's what a kid thinks cool is yeah like, Zack Snyder never stopped living on the edge it's great I love it 
Uh, here's my vision of Superman. It's just Superman wearing all black. So, oh, well, <laughs> cool. Psycho That's neat. Like, what does he stand for? No, he breaks people's necks and punches them to the moon. Okay, but what does he stand for? Does he stand for hope and justice? No, he stands no. for, like, the, the edge. Well, who's um, the, the best Superman comic? It's that panel that gets shared all the time. And it's the one of the girls on the edge of a building. Have you seen it? Uh, maybe. It's a really famous Superman panel, which um, I think it's like, if you want to, it sums up Superman in like four pages. Right. And it's a, it's a girl on the edge of a building uh, about to jump off. And it's Superman's flying. He hears the problem and he flies past. And rather than help, and rather than like grab her and take her to safety, he stops and talks to her. Mm. And it's just, I'll, I'll try and find it now. So if you want to riff for a moment, because okay, I'll, I'll go, yeah. because Superman gives this like really like nice speech. So, do, so do, Carl's going to give us like, the Superman talk. Well, I'm gonna try. I, I can't do like, Superman Carl. I can't do Superman's voice, but I'll try my best if I can. It's, uh, <laughs> Superman. It's like, the... Carl, take the like inner Henry Cavill. Want to see oh. a bit of like Christopher Reeves in there as well? Oh man, I love it. No, love forget Superman. about Brendan Ruth. So let's try and find the absolute best one because there's like the, there's the panel, but I'll try and find the um, the entire thing. Because there's a couple of ones where he's, he's actually helped. He's actually helped people. Yeah, do, yeah. Do. Like, that's the thing is, Zack Snyder's Superman doesn't really stand for hope, even though in Man of Steel they tried to hammer it home. Yeah, like, he doesn't. Oh, God. No one really gives a fuck about Superman in that universe. So here we go. So do do do. I found it here. It's um, it's called Superman and the Jumper, and it was a yeah. short comic just published randomly. And you can also tell us why it's a good Superman comic because the Superman's based on uh, Christopher Reeve. <laughs> and you can always tell how good a comic is like okay so what actor have they based the appearance of the character on mm-hmm. and when you look at a Superman comic and his face and you just go that's Christopher Reeve I did love however when they literally changed Nick Fury to just be Sam Jackson oh I fucking love it would you know that what was amazing yeah, do you know what happened with that it was yeah. um, in type in right now Ultimate Nick Fury okay and folks at home feel free to join in just type in Ultimate Nick Fury and tell them what you see Uh, Sam Jackson. Yeah. Uh, well, the thing is, though, they check Ultimate Nick Fury from the Ultimate version of Marvel Universe um, looks exactly like Sam Jackson. And mm-hmm. the artist who drew him said, I based him on Sam Jackson. And as if that wasn't ever enough, in one comic, someone asks Nick Fury who would play you in a movie, to which he replies, well, Mr. Samuel Jackson, of course. <laughs> Sam Jackson never signed off on them using his likeness. Oh my god! Which they probably would have gotten away with if not for the fact Sam Jackson loves comic books. So he, <laughs> the story goes, he was walking around a comic book shop and saw his own face staring back at him. Called up his agent and said, "I don't remember signing off on this." And that's oh and remember that nine movie deal I told you about earlier that he got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how he got it because when he called them up, he called up Marvel to say, "What the fuck am I doing on the front of one of your comics?" Well, oddly enough, Mister Jackson. We were going to make a few Marvel movies. We thought you might want to be in them. And he went, yeah, I will, if I can be in all of them. <laughs> and that's how we got nine movie deal. Because they said, rather, awesome. he, he said, I'll sign off on you retroactively using my likeness yeah. if I get to be in every Marvel movie. Oh, that's amazing. And that's how we did it. So I found the comic now. So we have Superman and the Jumper. And we have here, it's like, I'll describe it. I'll try and use my words to paint a picture for you, Lucas. So we have uh, some police officers. Um, looking up, and we have Miss Rose move back inside the building so we can discuss this. We don't want to have to try and pull you inside. We're asking you to work with us. And then just out of nowhere, Superman flies in because, you know, he's super fast. Mm-hmm. And he just asks, Jumper. It's like, yep, yeah, Felicity Rose, what happened? And they're super 
And Superman stands there listening as a police officer explains to him uh, from what we can gather. Um, she lost her mum, lost her job, lost everything and came down here to end it. Don't suppose you'd like to go up there and grab her for us, would you? To which Superman says, no, but I'll go talk with her. And okay. then you have um, Superman coming up. It's like, hello, Felicity. I thought we might talk for a bit. I understand you've been going through a lot lately. And before he even finishes sentence, Felicity responds, don't you dare touch me. That's what you want, isn't it? Wait until I drop my guard and then you grab me and take me back down there by force because you can, because you're stronger than me, because you know I can't stop you. Mm -hmm. Somebody said when you give your word, you never break it. Is that true? Is it? To which Superman responds, yes. Then I want your word. I want your promise that you won't try and take me down by force. And if I jump, if I choose to jump because it's my choice, you won't stop me. If you do that, I will talk to you. You have a, okay, a shot of okay. Superman looking all pensive. Which responds, I give you my word. I won't stop you. I won't take you back down against your will. And then you get the policeman. He's going, like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> so, why is Superman talking to her? And then we have the, lady, the girl here. After I buried my mum, I stood there. After everything else had left. And I thought, is this it? I mean, is this all there is? Working in a cubicle six days a week until I'm too old to do it anymore, then I die. Is that what we're here for? What's the point? When I graduated high school, I thought we're all gonna, we're all thought we're gonna go off, do great things, we're gonna change the world, save the world. If somebody said, "Hey, you're gonna pump gas your whole life, or better get used to cleaning up after people because that's gonna be your whole life," I'd be laughed at them. It's not fair. None of us is fair. And don't you dare tell me that it is. Superman responds, "I won't because you're right. It's not fair." John Lennon is dead, and Muhammad, and John Lennon is dead, and Muhammad Gaddafi is still alive. Fucking hell, Superman! It won't be if you flew over there and shot him. <laughs> like you could just go over there and throw Gaddafi into space but whatever uh, JFK is dead but Castro is alive Gandhi is dead but Manson keeps hanging in there it's not fair but it's not unfair either it just is that's it that's the best you can do it's neither fair nor unfair it just is because that's the truth still there Lucas? yeah yeah okay so I thought he might have gone away so there we go um, you're right when you say we all come out of high school think we're going to save the world and sometimes we do and sometimes sometimes we don't so you don't think about saving the world. You just think about saving just one person because sometimes that's enough. All I know is that we have to try. That's what life is. We try, we push back against the darkness just a little bit. So he says, can we talk about this for a little while longer? My head hurts. I've been crying all day. He says, okay, you rest. I'll be here when you're ready to talk. And then it's just the, like the famous panel. Mm -hmm. And it's just Superman just stood like sat in midair as it slowly fades to darkness. Oh. And then the light, they've got um, a spotlight on him, to which she responds, uh, can you have them turn that light off? It hurts my eyes. And then Superman just uses eye lasers to blow up the light. <laughs> and then we have um, a lot of people down there. Yeah, I've seen people splattered on the sidewalk before. You sure you want to do that to them? So I don't know what I feel like. I don't know anything anymore. I don't know what to do. He says, can I make a suggestion? So he says, a friend of mine years ago took his life. She was terminally ill every day. And she was in agony. She decided one day that she knew that without question, she would never have a ha another happy day. And well, you guess you could check out. You guess you could say she checked out early. I understand. I didn't approve. I still don't. But I understand. Mm -hmm. If you honestly believe in your heart of hearts that you will never, ever have another happy day, then step out into the air. I keep my promise that I won't stop you. But if you think there's a chance, no matter how small, there might be just one more happy day out there, then take my hand. And then she steps off and she holds his hand. And then it's Superman hugging her. And the other thing is, that's not even the most famous comic about it. Yeah, yeah. Because that's like a famous, like the, the full story. But then you have another one. Mm -hmm. And I'll just send you this image now and then you can do the same thing. Okay. So th this is another famous one where it's from All-Star Superman. Yeah. So that was like a, a short one-shot thing. And then All-Star Superman, which is one of the, the best Superman stories ever written. 
where it's just it just this is Superman just def, like just boiled down to his like his, the best of what he is, and this is like okay. just one page in that comic book. So if you just like to read that and describe it to the audience at home, so there's Superman and the Jumper, and there's just this one. Which is uh, yeah, page. so this is like a similar situation. There's a girl stood on top of a building and is ready to like jump. Mm-hmm. Um, the first panel is her like hovering her hand over the edge and looks like dropping something. And then she like is close up on her face, like she's crying, she's like clenching her fist. And then the next panel, like Superman, just appears behind her with just like a soft touch on her shoulder from the looks of it. Said, Oh, your doctor really did get held up. Regan? Is that? Yeah, it's just a name. Yeah. Uh, and then he says, it's never as bad as it seems. And then just like a bit of a zoom out to see like Superman just like, you know, grabbing her hand, uh, grabbing her arm as she's like looking a bit scared. And then he just says, you're so much stronger than you think you are. Trust me. And then they just embrace. Yeah, it's just, you know, a very human touching moment. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because um, a guy from Cracked, uh, one Randall Maynard, did an edit of that panel where it's, this is what would happen if it was Zack Snyder, Superman in that moment. So, Lucas, would you like to look at the image now and just compare what happens? Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so it's the same panel. <laughs> and it's just <laughs> the same, like, starting image. Of the girl, like, over the edge. And then it just says, like, movie Superman version. It's just him flying through the building and blowing it up. Yeah. <laughs> just, just explodes the building. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's so good. It was, like, it's another like... one. Where it was, like, there's a couple of those edits and they're really funny. I'll see if I can find the other couple. Um, there's a lot of times that we talk about it. It's like, oh, man. Um, so, like, in Man of Steel, for example, or... Like, you know, in Dragon Ball, where it's like, Goku's like, well, I want to, um, to like, save the planet and then destroy half of the planet himself, trying to save yeah. it. But at least he can wish it back. Well, yeah, at least they've got Dragon Balls to just go, like, reset, reset. Oh, but it's just that really funny one. And there's another one where it's like, it's Superman in a hospital. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you see people in the hospital, like, oh, wow, it's Superman. Uh, he's here to save the day. He's like, this movie Superman. Like, oh, God, it's that psycho who blows everyone up. <laughs> So, oh god, he was so terrified of that man. I, I just love that one. That's um, it's, it's true, and it's so sad. Yeah, it's like that's the one of the, the two of the most famous Superman moments. Like they, I think, I'm not sure which one came first. I think it was All Star Superman did it first, and then someone wrote an extra comic like to expand upon the idea of Superman doing that. Yeah, I was gonna say it seems like the first one is just like, as you say, one small page, and then they've kind of took that idea and expanded upon it. Which is that thing of yeah, like some of his best moments is when he's being human. And then you get the other... Like, it's the same with Batman, where some, mm. of his be- some of his best moments are just him in the Batcave working stuff out or talking to people about how he solved crimes. Because they're basically Sherlock Holmes novels. Yeah, and I think, like, the thing that, about Batman that a lot of people never... never either realise or take time to appreciate is that that character doesn't work without Bruce Wayne. No, you need you need that... Um, the... Comp- like, the um, the contrasting nature of them both, and it's like, mm-hmm. it's super, yeah, like yeah. Who, who's the real? Is it, is Batman um, the face, or is Bruce Wayne the face? Well, um, which actor was it that was was it? Um, is it Kevin Conroy who says that he puts on a voice when he's playing Bruce Wayne? Yes, and like that's how he perceives that is Batman is 
the real cat, like the real person, and Bruce Wayne is the persona. Yeah, and they have that in um, Batman of the Future, mm-hmm. where they have a, a line where it's um, a, a villain tries to make Bruce Wayne go crazy by implanting a sound chip in like his head, which keeps telling him, "Bruce, kill yourself, kill yourself, mm-hmm. Bruce." And then at the end of the episode, when they figure out what's going on. He gets asked by his young ward, Terry McGuinness, how did you know that you weren't going crazy? He goes, because in my own head, I don't call myself Bruce. <laughs> He's like, oh, do tell him, Batman. Oh, man. So good. Um, He's like, moments like that are the best like, things that I remember. Like, they're the, my favourite moments about Batman. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the Zack Snyder, and say, yeah, but then he beats up that entire warehouse full of dudes. And goes, yeah, but that's not what I care about. I want to see a character solving crimes in a fun, interesting way. Yeah, like yeah. one of the best. Like similarly, one of the best Batman moments in any piece of fiction he's appeared in is that moment where he goes and sits in the park. In I think it's Batman the animated series where it's a girl who has superpowers and she's going to explode. Oh, uh, okay. And she she's going to die, mm-hmm. and she can't. And she goes and and Batman just goes and sits with her, just to keep her company. Yeah. And that's it. And he knows he can't save her, but he goes. But he knows what it's like to be alone as a kid. Mm-hmm. And he goes in and he sits down. It's like that's one of the best Batman moments. Yeah. And he's yeah, like, yeah. but no, don't you want to see him backflip, kick people through a wall? No. <laughs> that's that's not really what I go watch. That's not really what I want the character to do. That's not what I like the character. Oh god! It's, and the oh. weird thing is that would have been like a cool version of Batman. Like ten years down the line, when you see him like broken down. Yeah. And he's he's like, just... You see his career and you see the character develop, and they just jump straight to it. Oh, man. You can't as well, you can't forget the best um, Zack Snyder quote about Batman. Where someone asked him, so you're going to, you're, you're, he's made something about, oh yeah, my Batman's going to be um, uh, um, vulnerable. And someone asked him, giving us an example, and went, well, my Batman could be raped in prison. What? That could happen in my movie. He said that? Yeah, that was, his, that was a quote. Because that, that's his idea of what it means to be vulnerable as a man, getting raped <sighs> in prison. Like, vulnerable doesn't have to mean physically vulnerable. No, it does. Oh, God. Because that's what's, you know, skin deep, Carl. Yeah. Just like Zack Snyder. Yeah. That, um, that was a quote. I was like, you know, just going off on a bit of a tangent about Batman here. Yeah, okay. Uh, one thing I found interesting is, I was listening to a podcast recently, and they were talking about, um, basically, you know how, like, Batman Arkham Knight, uh, yes. They marketed that game as like the Arkham Knight being a brand new character. And it, do you want to and, spoil it? Who is it? Is it really dumb? Uh, yeah, so basically everyone un- who knows Batman was just like, well, it, it's just going to be Jason Todd. It's just going to yeah. be Red Hood. It is. It's just a And game. then it turned out to be exactly that. The, apparently, though, what happened was they were going to market it that way. Uh, so you would know that, that who, that's who the character was, but they had to pivot because they realised it would be really like unsatisfying if you as a player already knew who it was. And Batman doesn't. But Batman doesn't because Batman's meant to be fucking smarter than you. He's meant to be the world's greatest detective. So if you know it, it would be really unsatisfying to play as Batman going around like, I don't uh, who is he? And you're like, oh, Batman's a fucking idiot. Oh, that's so good. And as much as that kind of like got twisted on them at the time, it's like, oh yeah, thinking about it, That'd be really shit if you just knew who the character was the entire time and yeah. Batman was like, uh. <laughs> Duh. 
<laughs> oh, that's why I like um, when the best friends play through that um, Telltale Batman series, and some of the some of like the um, the head cannons they come up with for Batman. Of just Batman being a fucking idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. Like, he just looks like, I'm Batman, and he'll never take that away from me. It was like Batman just sitting in the Batcave calling. Like, one of the things they come up with is, um, oh, can you? I bet all the people who work with Batman um, laugh when he calls it the Batcomputer. <laughs> it's like, no, it's the, when I'm in the office, it's the Batcomputer. Like, if I'm not here, you call it whatever the fuck you want, but when I'm here, I'm paying your salary. Oh, God. And there's just a couple of like really good lines they have where it's... Um, it's a telltale game. You can pick what you say. Yeah. And there's like a bit where I think it's Riddler goons are coming into a party and Bruce Wayne's there and a girl comes up and tries talking to you. And it's like, oh, hey, so what, Mr. Wayne, I wonder if we can get some private time. And one of the options you have is please just leave me alone. <laughs> and just Bruce Wayne goes, please just leave me alone. <laughs> to which the lady responds, you're not all that rich boy. And just, I think it was Matt, just says out loud, I actually super am. And as I like that characterization of Batman being like, you're not a big deal, Bruce Wayne. It's like, I really am. It's like, I really am. I'm the biggest fucking deal. I am this city. It's so good. And they have like a, what the twist they have in that series is it turns out that Thomas Wayne was just an arsehole. Oh, right. And okay. Thomas Wayne was a, a criminal who worked with Falcone. Oh, wow. And they never walk it back. And right at the end, you have to have a press conference as Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. And it's, you have to apologise for what your dad did. And I think it's Woolly just says, like, um, just as Wayne goes, it's time to um, it's time to apologise for what my father did. And Woolly just adds, and continue his legacy. <laughs> under his voice. And it's just like, I'd recommend watching the full playthrough because like, they just break the fuck down laughing. Yeah. And the reason I bring it up is because they actively change the game with that playthrough. Okay. Because there is a bit in, I think it's the second season, right at the very start, you meet Amanda Waller. Mm. And an option comes up on screen when you're getting a dressing down from Waller that just says, grapple away. And you know the, the classic Batman thing of he's in the middle of a conversation, just grapples away. <laughs> and he's like, no, f- I'm not talking. I'm Batman. I'm g- I've got shit to do. <laughs> like, they say that and they lose their shit so hard in that episode, laughing like, like, mate, I did not even see the other options. I don't care. <laughs> Apparently, the developers of the game watched the playthrough, saw that clip going around online, and thought it was so funny, they put in another grapple away moment at the end of the game. Oh, amazing. And they got it, and one of them got it confirmed to them at an event where they spoke mm. to one of the developers and went, oh, yeah, we put that extra grapple away moment in because we saw how hype it made you. Oh, that's awesome. It's like they changed the game with how hype they got over that Batman. Yeah, because each episode of Telltale Games were released separately. Yeah, and they had so chance they to tinker with stuff in response to feedback. And yeah, they would have literally had time to watch the playthrough and go, let's put that in another episode. So they just put another grapple away prompts. And the reason I'm a bit sad that Telltale went away, because I never really got a chance to see what happened with that Guardians of a Galaxy game. Yeah, I'm not sure if it ever got fully released. Did you ever hear about it? The Guardians one is out. It exists. Uh, okay, because the reason I thought it was so good is because the first chapter is Star-Lord, second chapter is Gamora, third chapter is Rocket Raccoon. Do you want to guess who the last chapter is? Is it Star-Lord again? No, it's Groot. Oh, man. But what's a Telltale game, Lucas? Talking. So and everyone's what? just, I am Groot. Yeah, so every chat, every option you get to respond <laughs> is... And it's like, that is, they know exactly what they're doing with that, and they knew... Yeah that people would expect it so they made it the last episode. And because they kind of died and faded away, I didn't really hear much about it. 
I'm really tempted to play that just to see what the I am group thing is, where you can respond <laughs> I am group to everything. Yeah, the Guardians game was kind of just hit with was... a very middling reception and no one really talked about it. I would highly recommend the Batman one because it's just really good. I just played because... episode one and I own like all of series one and potentially series two through like Game Pass and Xbox games with gold. And I'd recommend it. Yeah, and... If not, just watch their playthrough. Because there's just like so many high pass moments in like that one of like a continuous legacy. <laughs> I really had to take a break with Telltale Games after like playing a couple of them because they are all like very very samey. Yeah, and then you got Walking Dead three, which just absolutely shits the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like as much as it is sad to like unfortunately see that development close, like I think. I'm also kind of happy that the people running the company don't have that company anymore. Maybe. Because they just kind of like... Did you hear about how they closed? Uh, Yeah, because they didn't pay anybody. They basically turned up one day, was like, you've got half an hour to get all your shit out of the office, we're bankrupt. Oh, also, you get no severance pay and your benefits end right now. And then someone else bought the rights to Walking Dead or something, and they found it out to another developer and didn't tell anyone. Oh no, um, it was actually the people who own the IP of Walking Dead bought the like rights to that game. Ah, okay. But yeah, and then they, they just... started up a development studio to try and like finish it off with some of the original team members and stuff. It's just But uh, obviously it was a scaled down operation and it's it was what an great. awful cluster football. Yeah, that Guardians of a Galaxy one interested me because they knew exactly what they were doing. It's like so who's the last character player as it's fucking group. That's and an ev- awesome idea. And every response is just I am group in a different <laughs> it's like fucking perfect. And we it never really reached the same level of just like pop culture saturation as even the Batman one, which I only really know yeah. about just because of the memes that came out. I like, grapple away one, it's fucking great. <laughs> and we never even got a chance to talk about Spider Man. We went on such a fucking massive tangent. I just, wanted, I, I just wanted, but I wanted to talk about Sam Raimi's Spider Man, and I wanted to talk about just. Um, Willem Dafoe just eating that scenery eating it just turning up on set and just having his five a day in terms of scenery um, I just put out the Venom Wiki Weekend like this weekend Mm -hmm. and when you told me to like go back and look at the um, the voice acting for the shocker bit oh it's great that was amazing that's that is like that's not eating the scenery that's like just gorging on it yeah and I love that so like the reason I love the Rain movies is because they have that. They have a lot of just gnawing on the scenery moments, like hamming it the fuck up. Like you've mm-hmm. got... Uh, who's the actor who played um, Doc Ock? Ooh, I can never remember his name. But he's a really famous... Um, I think it's something Molina. That sounds about right. Like Alfred Molina or something like that. Let's have a quick Google Google. Yeah, no worries. It's, Molina, it's something Molina. Frank Molina? Uh, Who we got? Uh, Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina. I'm usually quite good with names. And he's a big um, dramatic theatre actor. Yeah. And that's something he brought to the characterisation of Dr. Octopus, where he saw him as like a larger-than-life, grandiose like scientist. That's why he's like doing the, ex- the initial experiment in a Manhattan loft in front of the press. Yeah. He saw him as like a figure like that. Same with like Norman Osborn, where it's a Jekyll and Hyde type mm. deal. And but that's I what... love the um, the contrast between those two villains of like 
you know, like Spider-Man 2, uh, Alfred Molina brings like, a lot of like serious gravitas to the character at times. Mm-hmm. And then you've just got like Willem Dafoe as just the most hammy fucking Green Goblin possible. I love it. It's so good. I love it so much. It's the same thing though. You've got uh, Alfred Molina has bits of that in his thing. Where it's like, oh, I'd like, I'd love to stay and chat Spider-Man, but I believe you have a train to catch. Yeah. As yeah. in, they just fucks off. It's like, oh shit, I'm going to fight a train. And even to a degree in the third one, like you have um, James Franco mm-hmm. like in his big shit-eating grin. Yeah, yeah. But well, they yeah. didn't do enough of it, I don't think. And I think um, if go they'd have got, enough. if Topher Grace would have played any other character but Venom, I'd have been okay with it. Mm-hmm. Because he, again, is chewing the scenery. And you can see it's a comic book. I can believe it in this comic book world. Like, in a world where you've got that um, J.K. Simmons playing J. Jonah Jameson and mm-hmm. how larger than life he is, yeah, I yeah. can believe you'd have Green Goblin. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think, like, they could... It's, I mean, it's Sam Raimi, isn't it? Like, yeah. it's very, very hammy and, like, over the top. But because it's a fucking comic book film, you don't really care. And it's really fun. Until and... you get, you know, the emo dancing scene. No, I still think that's pretty good. I think it fits the tone of the rest of the movies, but when you watch it out of context now, you're like, oh, God. Yeah. The real cringy bit is where he goes to MJ nightclub. Oh, no. And he yeah. plays the piano. Because I like the idea of Spider-Man using his powers to show off and dance. He never does that. And it's very out of character for Peter mm. Parker to use his superpowers to show off. Yeah. I just think they could have done it in a cooler way. It's like you just cut back and forth between like Uncle Ben going... With great power comes great responsibility. And then he's just using it to show the fuck off in three. It's great. Just dancing on a table. Like, <laughs> how come his spider sense lets him play the piano? <laughs> Does his spider sense tell him he's going to play the wrong notes? <laughs> is that why it works? I don't know. No, no, I, mean, I know. Because this is one of those things where it's a, a detail that shows it's good world building because there was a line earlier in one of the movies where um, Aunt May talks about teaching piano again. To make ends meet. Uh, That's where that comes from. I remembered that just off the top of my head. So I was going to say, like, it, it wouldn't seem unreasonable to me that Peter Parker, a very smart kid, would mm-hmm. learn to play an instrument. But yeah, that's I remember now, because there is a lot, I think it's Aunt May, when she's going to get the um, open a bank account in Spider-Man 2, talks about teaching piano lessons again. Ah, Which right, would okay. indicate that she is a piano teacher, and it stands to reason that Peter Parker would also learn to play the piano. How the fuck do you remember that? Because I love Spider-Man. <laughs> and I love those movies. Just remembered such a fucking throwaway line from Spider-Man 2 that came out 15 years ago. Because Spider-Man 2 super fun. Do you know what I don't remember, though? Lines from Batman vs. Superman. <laughs> uh, oh, God. I, the best bit about, though, Spider-Man 2 is that train fight. Oh, so and good. every now and again... I, you'll see on Twitter or forums and stuff, people go, okay, is the fight in Infinity War on Titan the best fight scene in a comic book movie? And you'll always see some, and the, the top response is always, this isn't the Spider-Man 2 train fight. What the fuck mm-hmm. are you talking about? And you can always tell, should I ignore this person or not? If they say, well, nothing happens in that. Because they don't, because it's not a big CGI spectacle with planets getting thrown and bullshit happening all over. It's like, no, but it's a fight scene where there's stakes. And, it it has, is, yeah. and it's almost perfect in its build-up. Mm-hmm. Where it starts with like Spider-Man and Dr. Octopus fighting on even playing fields. And then Dr. Octopus starts fighting dirty. 
and they start yeah, putting people yeah. in danger. And then Spider-Man's on the back foot. And then he like blows up the train. There's an escalation. Mm-hmm. And it's, all, it's like, oh, it builds and it builds and it builds. And then it just ends with Spider-Man doing his fucking Jesus Revenger yeah, off from the train. Why does Spider-Man always need the Jesus pose saviour moment? He loves it. It's great. But like, I would, I would argue as well that like I don't think Titan is up there for me in terms of even MCU fights, because I much prefer, even though like obviously you've got characters with superpowers and stuff, like just the choreography of some of the fights and like um, Winter, Winter Soldier, Soldier, for example. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, well, that's why you mean you can tell so fast and tight and like. Oh. should I ignore this person's opinion? Because they only like it because lots of things happen and it's big and it's spectacular. Yeah. But there's no stakes. I know it's a bad thing, there's a lot of stakes in that scene, but like because it's so fantastical, it's more for the spectacle than anything. Where the Spider-Man thing, you feel for Spider-Man. You can see that he's trying. Yeah. He's yeah, trying yeah. his best. And like when Dr. Octopus just starts throwing people at him. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh no, no, Spider-Man. And I think there's like, obviously... You know, I love, for example, Dragon Ball because it's just fucking cool action. Yeah. I appreciate the fact that you can have both, but to say that one fight scene is like drastically better than another, it's like apples to oranges, really. Yeah. But it's just like, yeah, that fight scene still, what, as I said, like 15, 16 years later, is in the top fucking tier of like superhero fights. Yeah, and it's all for a bit where he stops the train. It's like. And um... then it culminates, yeah, in the train moment. And then um, all of the people on the train, like, oh shit, we know who Spider-Man is, but you know what? Let's be bros, like, let's stay quiet, because Spider-Man's a fucking bro. And then you have that really human moment where people realise it's just a teenager. He's like a 25-year-old it, kid. It's just a 35-year-old actor playing a 20-year-old Shut kid. up, fine, it's fine, you can believe it. <laughs> it's movie universe. Shut up, it's cool. No, I can quite easily, sus- like... You know, suspend my disbelief when I see a 30-year-old playing a 20-year-old in a, yeah. in a movie. Like, oh, man. I don't really see that as a barrier for me. I, I think, just find it funny pointing out. I still like, though, that my favourite thing about that movie is I think it's the actor who plays The Flash. I'm going to double-check this just in case. Mm. Uh, I'm wrong, so The Flash actor, Raimi movie. But if I'm remembering correctly, he went on to, he went in to be uh, Magic Mike. So let me just check. Like, you mean one of like the people in Magic Mike? Uh, yeah, um, Joe Manginaliario, uh, I forget how to pronounce his name, but I've got it in front of me now. Um, he's the big guy from Magic Mike. Was he Flash? Yeah, he's Flash. Shit. I'm going to send you a picture of what he looks like now. No, like, I, I think I know the actor. I want to send you a picture anyway, because look at him. Is he Magic Mike? Yeah. Um... That's him. And, like, there was a thing with him recently, and it was a wrestler. And his gimmick is kind of, like, dunking on people and stuff. Okay. Um, as, you know, wrestlers tend to do. And it was like, oh, um, like, blah, 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 I don't play D&D, like, I'm not a loser. And then this actor put I do, and then just put him on the front of, like, men's fitness. <laughs> was it him? <laughs> was it this guy? Oh man, yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it now. I feel re- I'm sorry to the actor. Let's have a look. Yeah, he says here. He's also been a long time Dungeons and Dragons player. Yeah. He's yeah. appeared in episodes of The Big Bang Theory, Nerd Poker, and Celebrity D&D. And uh, How I Met Your Mother as well. That's another thing I know from. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was just like, oh, I don't play D and D. Like these guys must be losers. Like hamming it up for the like uh, the the audience, kind of like building up that tension before the fight, kind of thing. And then Joe Manganiello was like, yeah, what about this? And he just tweeted out like. Look how hot I am. I play D&D. I fucking love it. Well, loads of people play D&D, man. Yeah. It's like, it's not a big... Like, so many big-name actors fucking love D&D. It's like, uh, as well, like, a lot um, of wrestlers like video games. Like, so oh, many... Yeah, re- yeah, because yeah. They're, they're on the road all the time. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, all they do is just play, like, video games in the back room. Yeah. I mean, they're like, fuck it, we're on the road. Like, fuck it, get a PlayStation set up. Do it, let's go. Um, I know there's a wrestler, Xavier Woods... Yes. Who's part of um, up, up, down, down. New Day. And he has Up, Up, Down, Down and has like a lot of wrestling co-stars on with him and they're all just like, fuck yeah, video games. Video games are awesome. Well, I fucking love that. It's like you, just this image, it's just this ridiculously cut buff dude and he's Flash Thompson. Yeah. So, so I re- remember that he played Flash. The thing is, well, though, do you reckon he could come back and play Agent Venom? Oh. Because he could come back like that, looking like that. Oh god, that because he's like a suit. He's a grizzled, huge buff dude. They brought back JJ. They did. They could bring him back. They could bring back Flash Thompson. That'd be a cool way to have Venom in the new. Because the thing is, he looks so different from what he did in the um, in the original film. Yeah, exactly. They would e- they'd easily get away with it. Because mm-hmm. he kind of looks like the guy who plays Deathstroke. A little bit. Did he not play Deathstroke? Did he not? Oh man, has he played Deathstroke? Let's find out. Fuck uh, it, you know what? We're going on a deep dive is on. Is he the it. guy that plays Deathstroke? I can't remember. Fuck it, we're going on a deep dive on Joe um, Mangiliello's um, IMDb page. Fuck it, let's go. Oh yeah, he is. He's Slade Wilson in the DC Extended Universe. Uh, is he not? Oh yeah, that was it. It was. Oh uh... shit, yeah, but but he's in the extended scene at the end that no one remembered. No, no, I don't think he was. I think they tweeted out the video teasing him as um, Deathstroke for like the new Batman film. Oh. But prematurely before it all went to shit. Because it says here that he was in um, uh, um, Justice League in 2017. Also, he's married to Sofia Vergara. I is that don't one know of the, who that is. Uh, you see Modern Family? Oh, I've just clicked on it, yeah. Like Joe, the, the hot wife of Ed O'Neill. Yeah. <laughs> Man, th- that is one fucking hot couple. Yeah, that is. That is a fucking... That's a good-looking couple right like, there. Has he got any kids? No, he doesn't. He needs to get on making some fucking kids right now. The most, like... Where's his personal life? fucking kids in the world. Let's have a look. Oh, oh, holy shit. This guy's life's awesome. So he was in Spider-Man. He plays D&D. He was a roadie for the band Goldfinger. <laughs> and he's a friend of the lead singer, and he tours with them as a member of their security. Oh my god. So he knows the guy. What? What is this dude? This dude's awesome. <laughs> Why is he in? Oh man, I'm so sad for him that he's stuck being in the fucking DC Extenders universe, man. However, he's stuck being Slade Wilson. He is playing like the one of the coolest fucking DC characters. He is, yeah. Apparently, he's in Spider Man 3. He has a cameo. I don't remember that. I mean, I didn't remember him being It's in probably him. because he went, <laughs> like, by looking at these images, he went through a lot of puberty. He went through so much puberty. Just all of it. He's also got a book called Evolution. Uh, he's got a directorial um, debut. He directed a documentary. Um, he won a Mid-Atlantic Emmy as the narrator of the documentary Pittsburgh is Home, The Story of the Penguins. 
<laughs> which documents the first 50 years of the history of the Pittsburgh Penguins hockey team. Yeah. Like, I've only... Uh, and as well, I've you can tell. I've seen him online and stuff, but he seems awesome. You, see, uh, you know as well, you can tell a fan of the fucking DC movies edited this because it says here, like, oh yeah, he's known for this, 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 and this. He's And then it says, after that hockey team thing, he's active with several charities, primarily the UPMC Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh, for which he serves on the board of trustees. So it seems like he's a he's born in Pittsburgh. Says yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. He's a big fan of his hometown, or his home city, his home state. He wants to do a lot of stuff for it. Right at the end of this, in 2016, he was cast as Slade Wilson in the DC Extended Universe. <laughs> so you can tell a fan of the DC Universe added that to the end. Yeah, just popped in. Just added that as a little addendum. Oh, god damn it. Man, what a, what a dude. What a fucking awesome guy. Like, he, he seems really fucking awesome. He seems so cool. Yeah. Like he's, a, he's best mates with the lead singer of Goldfinger. What? I just tours with them as part of security. What a dude. A fucking ledge. Awesome, he says here as well, he's also learned transcendental meditation. Cool. I don't know what that is, but it sounds awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what that is, but I'm all for um, you know, advocating for meditation. Let's have a look then. So filmography, what's he going to be in soon? So he's in the JN Silent Bob reboot. Um... Uh, to be announced. So television, he's in CSI, Two and a Half Men. Yeah. Oh, he's in Star Wars Resistance. Don't know what that is. I what? I, I don't know. know what that is, and I'm like a relatively like not a big Star Wars fan, but like I, I like Star Wars, and I've never heard of that. But he was in that. I'm like what, a dude? I'm glad. I'm glad that I learned more about Joe Mangiliano today. What a nice man. Yeah. Who's stuck in a bad movie. And he's married to a super hot lady who seems <laughs> who's, who also seems really nice. Yeah. Because she has a great um there's a great interview with her. Because let's have a look here. She's um she was born in Colombia. And yes, one yeah. of the jokes on Modern Family is that she's Colombian and speaks Colombian and American. Oh, sorry, and English, god damn it. Spanish, um, I believe. Yeah, speak Spanish and English. And it's, the joke is, like, oh, yeah, sometimes you don't understand English. And they ask her about it. And she goes, have you any idea how hard it is to, pre- uh, to pretend not to understand a language that you actually speak perfectly well? Like, yeah. have, you any, like, have you any idea how hard it is to learn how to be funny in another language? Because someone's asking about it. Oh, isn't it funny that sometimes you don't understand words? And she goes, actually, I understand it all perfectly. Mm-hmm. I ad lib a lot of those things based on my own experiences. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually perfectly fluent in both languages and it's very difficult to be funny in a language that's not your own. Yeah. Fuck you. It's like, yeah, you tell us so, you've got it. I actually, like, found that um, recently, like, I was watching, like, a kind of funny thing and it was Greg Miller talking to his, like, French-Canadian wife. Mm-hmm. And she was saying, like, her native language is French and it's really annoying because she's like, I'm a funny person in French, but that's like, <laughs> in English. Oh, that's so harsh. That must be... Oh, that's so brutal. That's so harsh. She's funny in French. But not and in it's English. like, oh, like, obviously some of that comes across in English, but... It literally like, doesn't translate. You, yeah, you lose the nuance in what she's saying. So that's brutal, that. Well, yeah, that's that Sophie really Vergara quote. Sticks it in my head a lot. Have you any idea how difficult it is to be funny in second language? Yeah. Like, the fact that I'm even able to do it is proof that I'm a fucking excellent comedian. And it goes hand in hand with a, a great takedown that I saw of every year, comedic actors will go do a serious role and get an award for it. 
Mm-hmm. And then you'll see serious actors go and do comedies and fucking bomb and be terrible. Yeah. And the thing we take from that is that these comedians are good actors rather than comedy being hard. <laughs> like maybe it is that comedy is really difficult and the people who are able to do it well are good actors as opposed to it's good actors who are good at comedy. It's like, oh, man. Yeah, I'm kind of bringing it back into, you know, what we do a bit. Mm-hmm. Is I've um, obviously since starting this had more conversations surrounding like what I'm doing with my life now. You know, being part of like a YouTube channel and doing my own things and Twitch streaming. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I've had so many people come out of work and be like, yeah, I tried to do stuff like that, but it's really fucking hard. It's very hard just to talk about nothing. Apart apart from apparently like us just chanting about Spider-Man and Batman for two hours. And we never got round to talking about Spider-Man. We did get to talk about William Defoe though, getting his five a day of a scenery, so I'm very happy about that. But um, we <laughs> started to get a bit long in the two, so we can bring it to a close now. But Lucas... You mentioned you've got a YouTube channel and that you do other things uh, except for this podcast. What are those and where would people find them? Oh, God. Cringy plug time. Shut up. Do it. No, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank if you. I didn't tell you to do it, you wouldn't. I wouldn't. And Carl knows I, I very rarely like talk about what I do on other things. But yeah, uh, so I have my own YouTube channel where Carl is heavily involved. It's Legend of Canto. I basically run the whole thing. Yeah, basically. No, I don't. Um, and... We're currently playing through Breath of the Wild and Resident Evil 4. We are, yes. Um, as well as we like also play games together and I play with other people on Twitch. Uh, again, Legend of Kanto. And then I guess like also plug the fact that I'm on Carl's personal channel playing games with him on there. Oh, I don't care about that. Carl Smallwood. Yeah, Google it. It's a real name, name, honest. Ninja Gaiden and Yakuza 0. Yeah, not died yet. <laughs> I've not. You don't know. No one knows. We don't know when this video... This video goes live on the day that first death occurs in that video, so... Oh, God. It's accurate when recorded, but not when it was aired. <laughs> Sue me. Whatever. Bye.